Hey, what's going on, guys? My guest today is a very interesting guy. He works at Wing Inflatables. He is also a member of the Clampers. And I had just a great time talking with him. We covered a lot of different topics. I think you guys will really like it. So please give it up for Spencer Bird. All right, so talk to me about this, the wing inflatables thing. How long have you been working with them? Uh, I've been working for wing inflatables. It'll be, I'll be hitting the uh, three-year mark on November 6th. Oh, wow, okay. So I got in there just right under the wire in 2017 so I could attend their Christmas party and get the get the cool hoodie and stuff like that. But it's it's super weird. I mean, Andrew's a really cool guy, the owner of wing inflatables. We own... We also own Henshaw in uh, England. Okay. Henshaw is like our England branch because they have different guidelines and stuff of what's uh, approved for like uh, their chemicals and stuff like that, like methyethyl ketone and stuff like that, which is one of our main chemicals that we use in the bonding process. Uh, there's multiple different departments within wing inflatables, but we're the main head spearhead of the companies mm -hmm. that he all owns. He also owns, uh, I think earlier this year, we just bought uh, Mustang Survival. Okay. So they're really high end in the uh, survival gear and such. Oh, wow. So like the survival vest, jackets, all that stuff, dry bags, backpacks, anything that has marine relation, really. Um, we have our own dry bags and stuff like that, but there's like the welding department, which actually makes the tube and then puts the tape over the seams of the tube. And they just make like the general tube ideal. Mm -hmm. And then they send it to finishing, which is my department where we put on the handles, we put on the attachments to hold it to the hole because the inflatable collar is a separate piece to the hole. Okay. And then, um, like the company Zodiac we got all the government contracts from Zodiac to make the military boats for like the U S Marines and the night ops and stuff like that. Like we have a MSMC, which is a split bow boat that the Marines would throw out of the back of a plane and then they'd follow it down and it auto inflate in the uh, water. Oh, no shit. Yeah. It's, it's a really cool job. It's really cool. So are you guys, are you primarily working with like the military we have government contracts mm -hmm. to primarily work with most of the military. Yeah. Uh, but another reason that we got all the military contracts is because we're, we're based in America and we're all of our products are solely American made. Mm -hmm. Like, cause there's another company that makes the polyurethane uh, fabric that we use in uh, like Israel or something like that. And I think that's where other companies would get their fabric from. But we have an American company that we get our fabric from specifically. And that's in America being America wanting to support an American company since we're all American made. Puts you guys at the top. Yeah. And we're, we're the leading uh, company in all of the uh, in the, what is it? The uh, inflatable solutions business at uh, Wing Inflatable Solutions. I think it's just inflatablesolutions.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Bill founded the company, he started with like river rafts and kayaks. And then we kind of transitioned to 
uh, starting doing hybrids and then getting military contracts and starting doing building boats like with the fiberglass floors and all that stuff. Like we build the whole black boat. Our black boat line is like a whole black boat of eight to 10 people, uh, single peaked rafts that have a keel in the bottom and fiberglass floor. And it's the whole thing other than the motor. Oh, wow. And then all the other ones are just inflatable collars and stuff. And then we have hybrids and all that stuff. But when he started, he had, uh, he was working out of a garage and making river rafts and kayaks. And then not only like maybe two years ago, we picked that back up and actually started working on river rafts and kayaks again. And we like had these commemorative shirts made that says, uh, we're back on the front. And then on the back, it shows some guys with a river raft, like an old logo shows like a crew in a river raft. And it says on the back, it says, uh, if you don't have a wing, you don't have a prayer. Oh, wow. And there's a quote by Bill wing and they're, they're really neat stuff. I remember when I, uh, first started, uh, one of our current supervisors, uh, Tim, he, he and I, uh, he wasn't a supervisor at the time, but him and I, he showed me how to do an inside outside patch when I was still training on a raft from 1996. Wow. Predated my birth, wow. it, which was really cool. So that, that was kind of one of the cool things. I just got to see one of the old, one of the old bill wing built boats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And we have boats coming in and out all the time. We're doing restorations, just making new ones. I just had to make a couple protectors. I'm in the middle of a build right now for a protector, which is one of the, uh, it's like a yacht company boat. Okay. So like this yacht company, these guys is like, I got a fuck ton of money. Eh? So how about you build me a boat? Just send it. From the ground just, up. Just build it. Just build it. I want it blue. Just make it blue. <laughs> I want it blue. So I'm like, uh, Okay, well, uh, do you have the hole? Nah, you don't need the hole. I mean, it's custom install, but you can just kind of put stuff on there. So it's there's been a lot of altercations with these builds of protectors because protectors are so specific. We have to put like a half attachment on there and then it has to glue to the hole. And But if we don't have the actual boat on the trailer, the hole on the trailer in the, in the shop, it makes it a lot more difficult because we don't want to place it in the wrong spot and then have it not line up and match up. Mm -hmm. But I'm just building the tube without the hole. So it's like, I have to go talk to the engineers and be like, Hey, are you sure this goes here? Are you sure you want it bonded this much? Are you sure you want it? So, uh, there's been a lot of altercations with that. And there's one guy, one or two guys that know how to do it, but all the measurements and stuff are in their head all the measurements and placements for a lot of the stuff is in their head. It's not in the work order, not in the, Oh, they don't write it down. Yeah. Well, they're writing it down now, mm -hmm. but it's like they have a couple guys because a protector is a big thing. They're super nitpicky about their boats. When they build a protector, it's super has to be like rocket science down to the T kind of a thing. Is a protector a type of boat? What is a, a protector? protector is a brand. Okay. So we'll put the, we'll put the logo protector on the side. Mm -hmm. It's a protector boat. It's a, the type of boat is called a protector. Like it's, it's the specific type of boat 
and it's also the brand of boats. I think it's a brand of boat that only makes one type of boat. So it's like a style and a brand. Yeah. It's okay. Like how the Coast Guard has the cutter and then they have the boarding crafts and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think it's just like the protector is the protector. Okay. It's not like a Zodiac 130 or Zodiac 256T or something like that. It's just protector. That's all I've seen is the same one over and over in my three years of work in there. Okay. And like, so it, we have like three or four guys that know how to build protectors specifically. And they just know this is how you build a protector. This needs to go here. The handles need to go here. You don't put these ones on here. The ERX, which is like our barcode our specific uh, serial number kind of thing goes here and stuff like that. And then in the book, it tells me it goes in different places. But then the guy who knows how to build it comes over and he's like, hey, I think that's a little wrong. You got to move this out an inch. So, I mean, we're getting all the instructions down now. Mm-hmm. And all we can do is improve. Yeah. I mean, we always got to make altercations however they come. How long has it taken you guys to build a boat like that? Are the protectors, is that like a, is that for the military or these private people that want these it's style a, boats? I think a protector is more of a private yacht company okay. kind of a thing. So okay. if, if you got like a are they, So these are pretty yacht, big boats then you guys are cranking out. Um, We vary in size. Like we'll do single person kayaks that are probably from that wall to here. Oh, wow. And like 20 inch fabric. And then you can have like, we do stuff for raft companies. We do stuff for uh, Rossboro, Northwind, Metal Shark, every, all those guys, you know what I mean? And we do, uh, I've done an uncountable number of U.S. Coast Guard metal shark boats that oh, are just wow. boarding crafts. And, like, I put the logo. It says U.S. Coast Guard down the side. I put the whole ID on it. I've, I've done most everything there. I've worked in the black boat line, which is, like, an assembly line. So you got, uh, you got like, various sizes of boats, 5'2", 5, 5'8", 4'2", various different sizes for, like, fire departments and stuff. And, uh stuff like that. And I've worked the black boat line. Uh, there's like station zero where these guys air it up, test the uh, baffles and make sure that it holds air and doesn't leak or anything like that. And then moves up to the next guy who put on some attachments, puts on the keel, puts on the chafe and all that good stuff. And then it moves up to the next guy who uh, puts in the floor and well, like the fabric floor, that's the base that mm-hmm. the water will be brushing up against and stuff. And then, and then it'll go to dull coat and it'll get like a matte finish kind of paint. So it doesn't try to reflect any light for one reason or another. I mean, Who knows, don't yeah. ask, don't tell kind of a thing on that. I mean, military uses it for what the military wants to use it for. And then uh, after that, they go through like a warm cleaning. So we don't uh, just hot water and soap to make sure that uh, it's clean. It looks nice and presentable when we roll it up and send it out to them with their fiberglass floors that they just pop in and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but over in core, which is more of the North wind, uh, all the other boats that isn't just like a, Oh, this is a Fobam or a U.S. military boat. Those ones are kind of more diverse. There's all different shapes and sizes of boats. Uh, like, I think on average we have a 22 millimeter or a 22 inch diameter. So the tube's pretty big. And then like we just build it on sawhorses and stuff. Like we'll put it on the ground. We'll air it up. 
do the air cycle like we're supposed to do. Make sure it holds air. Do a pressure test. Stretch the fabric a little bit. Stretch the baffles. Make sure the baffles aren't leaking into the next chamber. Make sure that the uh, the tube holds air altogether. And then we'll also put it through a 24-hour test and then a second day for a 48-hour test. And that goes – those air tests go through as we build. Mm-hmm. So we have one guy going around every so often checking the air with an air gauge and stuff like that once we get done with the baffle and the air test and it passes all that. Then we start putting the attachments on like the um, – we have a Keter attachment, which is like uh, the welders make all the attachments. So really it's a piece of fabric that's flat and then it's creased and it comes up for a web and it has a piece of Keter in here. We used to use rope. Now we use uh, like a plastic uh, – Compo- uh, composite Keter in there and then it comes back down the other side and it comes back out so it's kind of like a T-shape and uh, we'll bond the two footprints we'll glue those up and we'll glue the surface area on the tube and we'll use a heat gun and we use uh, hot air and glue and glue that we mix in-house we mix all of our chemicals in-house as finished products like our paint we mix our glue we mix our dull coat we mix we mix all that in-house oh wow and uh so we'll mix our glue up. Well, a guy will mix the glue up. You go over, you fill up your tray, and then you coat your boat wherever it needs to be coated, however many layers they want, however many layers it needs. And then you'll use a heat gun, and you'll heat it up, and you'll bond your stuff down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you make sure you get your web down. And then we have uh, QA guys, quality uh, check guys, and be like, hey, can I get a QA check on my tape off? Make sure it's in the right spot. Make sure it's as long as it needs to be and stuff like that. And then they'll come through, check out all of our tape. They'll sign off on the book and say, you're good to go. So then you glue up all your stuff. And uh, you lay out all your stuff and you glue it up on the tables and then you bond it down so it attaches to the hole. Because most of the time we use a ketter that slides into a track. Okay. All the boats on the outside have a track like this in a sense. And uh, so it's open here, but it's an enclosed here. And so the Keter will come out like this with the, uh, with the Keter here and the web here on the tube, and it'll slide into that track. And that's how it generally fastens. And then the back plates will be fastened on with bolts and such. I have pictures and stuff that I could show you. Yeah, from, definitely. From one, oh, the, yeah. from one of the builds we did in... Uh, uh, me and my buddy, Ethan, if you remember him, uh, uh, Ethan Hale. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he me, went to high school with us. Yeah. Yeah. Ethan yeah. Hale, he, uh, he got a job with wing a couple years, like a year or two after I did. And me and him just went up to Washington in June and we went up there and we put on this boat that we built for the, uh, fishing wildlife up there. So, how do you want me to show this to you? You can just point it at me. I'll just take a peek. Oh, oh. So, there's a, there's a couple of those photos down there that you can scroll down through and tap on and such. So, you guys designed, you guys designed they, this thing. They had that boat, that hole, and a boat tube just like that mm-hmm. already. And what they did was they sent Ethan up there to... Uh, fix it really quick because they had an order for that new tube that we, that those pictures are of right there. 
they sent us an order saying, hey, our boat's leaking. Uh, we need a new one. And so they're like, okay, well, our next opening's and Holy we can shit. get it built by like June or something like that. So they're like, yeah, 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 we'll build your boat in July, actually. Okay. So they're like, okay, we'll build your boat in July, but we'll send a guy up there with like a little bladder kind of tube filler to get you over till Like your a temporary boat's ready. fix. Yeah, yeah, like a temporary fix. So Ethan went up there with the temporary fix, put it in. Well, uh, for all of our bladders, like our little air chamber bladders that'll go in some of the hybrids, which are the foam-filled half-tube hole boats, um, uh, it's called Deerfield, and it's a really thin, just rubber. It doesn't have, like, any cross fibers or fabric in it. Okay. Because uh, the polyurethane is a layer of fabric, like rubber, and then it has all the woven threads and stuff, and then it has another layer of fabric and then we have multiple ounces we have 20 ounce fabric we have 40 ounce fabric which is the main one we use 60 ounce fabric 80 ounce fabric it all multiple thicknesses for different means and needs well he went up there with the bladder fix put it in it blew up oh wow because there was some kind of altercations where uh supposedly uh, it was the wrong width and the wrong length. They made the length, the width and the width, the length. Mm. So it wasn't the right size. And so he just kind of forced it in there and it worked for a second and then God, it didn't. Ugh. So, uh, the company was all like, okay, well come on back to the shop. So he came back down from Washington and he's like, all right, you and Spencer build this boat for him and we'll send you up there to put it back on for him put a new one on there for him so uh we built the boat kind of a rush job but still did it right i mean why wouldn't you want to do it right mm -hmm. we did it right we just worked a little faster than we usually would because they were like hey we need this boat so we built the boat quick and to a t just like it should have been then we went up there and uh we had a guy with a forklift help us put it on because with the hole it's like an elevation kind of a thing mm -hmm. uh, with the hole. So as we were sliding it on, we got one side on like three quarters of the way. And then we had him come over to the other side and we pulled the other one on like a quarter or halfway. And then we noticed that we had the tube twisted. So one side came up, it twisted all the way around and then went back down the other side. And we're like, Oh shit. Oh, well, Let's take this off, untwist it, and put it back on. And then it went on super easy. Mm. And then, uh, just like you saw in the photos, how it was just attached to the side of the boat. And then around the back, there was a piece of fabric that came around the back. And then we took another aluminum plate, and we sandwiched the fabric between the boat's hole and the aluminum plate and bolted it in to make sure it's fastened on there so it doesn't start sliding off the bow or whatever mm. for any reason. What is the, what's the timeline for building a boat like that? I mean, is this, um, cause it sounds like it's incredibly labor intensive trying to put all those pieces together. It's, it's not super labor intensive because the pieces come like a D ring to hold on a lifeline or a rope down mm -hmm. the side of the boat. That's like maybe a four or five piece. So there's the ring you have, and then you have the tongue that holds onto the ring. And then you have a secondary tongue to reinforce that one Okay, that holds it on to the, uh, the oval shape that is a patch. 
And what will, uh, so it's a patch with a little slit in the middle. And then there's, uh, the piece that comes out and over and it goes through the D ring and comes back. And then there's another piece underneath that. That's just another tongue on the D ring. Mm-hmm. So it's multiple layers of fabric to make sure that when you glue it on there and put it on there, it won't separate. And the hot air welding is like two compression wheels and a hot air nozzle melting the polyurethane layers together. Okay. We also have radio frequency welding, which is like a small two person thing in a little booth, no bigger than your shot, uh, your little, uh, radio room here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they have uh, they use radio frequencies to disrupt the molecules and bond them together in the uh, polyurethane rubber. That's insane. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, uh, it's been told that they used to take uh, some of the long light bulbs and stuff, and they'd uh, they'd turn on one of the radio frequency things and it'd glow. Oh, really? Yeah, and but one guy like dropped one or something like that when it happened, so. They don't really want to do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so so they kind of stopped doing that. But um, it's a really cool thing. And then all uh, all the people that work in the shop, like I do, are it, it's such a diverse group of people. Mm-hmm. And everybody brings something different to the table. And there's no way that you're just going to be like, this is the way it has to be done. Oh, why isn't this working? Because, I mean, you got three or four other guys that come up with ideas that do work. And it's just like... There's a whole bunch of different colorful characters there. Everybody's How many people are working? Cool too. How many people are working there? Ooh, Wing is a. Uh, I don't know with how. I can't really put a number on it. We're constant. We're almost always hiring. Mm-hmm. I mean, come down to Wing Inflatables, get an application. Uh, we start with good wages. We start above minimum wage. Uh, it's a good job. There's steady, consistent work. Uh, we have overtime available at all times. Uh, sometimes we go into mandatory overtime. There's a small season of the year that we go into mandatory overtime because it's it's a million-dollar company, man. Mm-hmm. And to make millions of dollars, you got to work. So, I mean, if you show up to work, better be ready to work because, I mean, there's a lot of work. There's a lot to get done. For you to do. Yeah. And, like, usually a timeline on the boats is about um, bonding all the parts and stuff for, say, a simple boat like uh, Willard Marine, a 730, which is about, mm, give it about 20 feet in length, but you got two sides of the boat. It has, like, a grommet strip on the bow because there's a bow cover that goes over the bow to protect the bow the tube so that'll be held on by a grommet strip and stuff but Mm -hmm. you got to put the inboard attachment on you got to put the bottom attachment on chafe that goes all the way around the bottom of the boat to protect the bottom of the boat from any punctures or scrapes or nicks or anything like that uh you can probably get the bottom attachments and the inboard attachments and stuff like that on and checked and made sure that they're down and good in about a day Okay. Maybe get a little extra done. You know what I mean? Maybe take it a little slower because you still got to do the air test and stuff in the morning when you first take the tube out. And then, um, so you do all that. And then there's the grommet strips you put on top, the D rings you put on and the rub strike, the bumper, you put a rub strike bumper down the side. We call it rubby most of the time. 
And there's various different kinds of rubbies. Different boats use different kinds of rubby. We have the eight inch tall three rail. So it's like a half inch, quarter inch thick. And then it's like a one inch thick, half inch, quarter inch thick, one inch thick. It's, it's a bumper rail that we put down the side of it. So if you're bringing your boat up to up against another boat, it's like, it's pretty much like chafe. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just to protect the side of the boat. So you don't slide up against something too much and blow a hole in your boat. And then when we paint the boat, we paint it with a, um, with a thing that we call, uh, It's flex tough. It's a flex tough mixture that we pigment and mix in house. So we have part A, part B, and the pigment. So uh, for that painting process, we tape off the rub stripe because we don't want any paint on there. We tape off the grommet strip because that doesn't need the paint on it and stuff like that. It's just to protect, it's a UV protective coating from uni- uh, UV rays. To so the fabric won't dry out and then get wet and dry out and get wet and get brittle and break and then you got a hole in your boat. So we coat the top side with a UV. We don't need to coat the underwater side. Some people like it coated. So if they put it in their order, hey, coat the bottom too. We'll coat the bottom too. And uh, but some people uh, for every boat we coat the top. And after we paint that with our, after we mix it. We let it sit for a second so it can thicken up so it's not super watery. Uh, we let that thicken up, and it's just like painting a house or painting an interior wall or something like that. Uh, we use rollers, paintbrushes. Just put it on. Well, yeah, for the most part, but we try to – we have to do at least three coats. And if that looks good and stuff because we don't want it textured. So we don't uh, use paint brushes. We have little foam brushes for getting underneath the D-rings and stuff. Okay. Um. But we tape off the actual metal of the D-ring. We tape off the grommet strip like a tape widths away. And we tape off the attachments because if we put too much, if we put flex on the uh, ketter, it's too big and it won't fit in the track. So it's pretty like measurement specific. And we have to measure out all of our distances off of like the top dead and that dead outboard and stuff like that for the boats. Uh, But after we paint a boat, we pull all of our tape. When a QA says, hey, your paint's good, you guys can pull tape. We'll pull all the tape. And then we have to let the boat sit for at least 24 hours for that paint to sit and solidify, to cure. And then we can uh, we can put the logos on and stuff because that goes on top of the paint. Mm-hmm. So you can actually see the logo. So it says, uh, you got your brand name wing. You got your uh, boat name protector or you got your boat name uh, Willard Marine uh, seven thirty stuff like that. Uh, and we do the logos the same way we do a sticker stencil thing. So we have the sticker that says the word protector on wax paper. And then we go over to the transfer table and we take this transfer paper and we put it on the top of the logo. And then we pull the wax paper off the backside. Then we put it on the boat. Then we pull that transfer paper on. And so it's, we put a sticker that has holes in it saying whatever they want it to say. We mask that off like any painter would. And then we uh, make more flex. And then we use the same chemical that we use to break open the flex as we did the fabric and stuff like we would do for any paint job. And then we 
whichever color they want it. It might be a gray boat with black logos. It might be an orange boat with gray logos. It might be an orange boat with black logos. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll wipe it down with our mech, and then we'll paint over it, and we'll do another three coats on top of that. And then the QA checks it, and he says, all right, looks good, looks good. You pull that off, and you got your logo saying protector. Or saying Willard Marine or saying Wing. Are these boats pretty durable? They I mean, are, are they blind durable? No. Okay. We we have warranties on them and stuff, which rarely ever come through. But I mean, there was a raft from 1996 that I worked on in 2018, 2019. Yeah. That raft survived well over 20 years. Mm. And the guy was just like, I got a little hole in it. Patch that hole one by one little fucking patch. All it took to patch that little hole and, good as new. and just a little bit of paint on the top. Cause he wanted to step tread on it. So, and it was, we rolled it back up to him. He s- sent it back to him. He said, hell yeah. Right on guys. Hell yeah. Thing still works. Mm. Works great. I wouldn't want anything other than this raft. You know what I mean? Oh, that's cool. They're really, really interesting. It's a really cool process. And if you wanted to, you could come out and see the shop. Yeah. You, you can come walk through the shop. You come in and you talk to our HR person, Lisa, in the, in the front office. Maybe not during right now, during the COVID and stuff. But um, you come in and you'll sign in saying that you're on the floor as like a liability kind of thing. And she'll walk you through. She'll say, oh, here's our CNC table where we cut out all the panels and shapes and sizes. And then this is the welding department. So after it comes from the CNC table, it comes over to welding. And they make the bulk of the tube and they make the tube look like a tube. Then we send it to finishing where it gets its paint and attachments and ropes and all that finishing touches and then cleaned and rolled up. And then it comes out to shipping. Yeah. Like, we have a big, huge stack of pallets out in Arcata. Just big, huge, right there on Samoa Boulevard, and you can come have pallets. You want pallets for a bonfire or anything like that? You want pallets because uh, I know my buddy uh, layered his uh, woodshed with pallets for a floor for his firewood. Oh, wow. So you want to come get some pallets? Why not? Just get some fucking pallets, man. I know a lot of people that use pallets to make kindling and stuff like that. Mm. So... I mean, we got a whole bunch of pallets that we don't use because all the fa- the rolls of fabric and the rolls of chemicals and stuff like that and the barrels of chemicals and stuff will come on pallets, but we don't use those pallets. So all of our sitting. pallets are made in-house. Uh, we have fabricators to make our pallets. So every pallet that we ship a boat out on is made in the warehouse as well. So you guys are making everything. Mm-hmm. Everything you guys are using comes from you guys. Um, the product that we provide comes from us. Mm-hmm. So the palette comes from us. The, uh, I mean, we get all the chemicals from us chemical companies. We get the polyurethane from a us fabric company. We get, uh, I mean, our metal D rings we get from a metal company here in America. It's all American made. Mm-hmm. We just, kind of take all the pieces and put them together into a product that somebody can be like, Hey, I want a boat. All right. Here you go. Here's your boat. And it's all made to order. We don't make boats and then just be like, Oh, when you need this one, you can have it. Yeah. You're not like a dealership. No, it's all custom, custom rigs. It's, 
it's not really custom, but it can be altered in a custom way. Like okay. there's some logos that are like, like we'll do stuff for fire departments for like Houston fire department and stuff like that for, cause of the floods and such that are going on and stuff to save people or whatever. Uh, there's a whole bunch of news reports all the time. I just saw uh, a couple years ago, there was a plane that crashed in an ocean or something like that, or a river or something, kind of like the Hudson River plane crash. And it was a wing boat that went out there and got the guys off the plane. Oh, wow. And uh, we have like little photos up there and we have a whole bunch of awards and stuff like that for our rafts. And oh, our no boats. shit. And yeah, it's a really cool deal. Were you Were you working for wing... Back when the that soccer team got trapped, yes, in the cave? I was because that's what that's how I heard about Wing was from that yeah yeah incident. Uh, a lot of people call it Wings mm-hmm. when it's only just W I N G. It's just Wing because it's a guy's name, like how my name is Bird. Oh. Bill Wing is the founder. Okay. His name is Wing, but a lot of people think it's like Wings, like like it's a pluralized kind of thing, like. Oh, that's Wings Boat or something like that. But no, it's 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 a wing boat. Named after the guy. Yeah, named after the guy. And uh when we heard about that soccer team, uh Elon Musk got his people or he called up our sales department and was like, Hey, you guys are leading the inflatable deal. You guys are leading the charge in the inflatable solutions business. What I wanna I wanna help these kids out. What can I, Elon Musk, or what can I at Tesla do to help these kids out? I mean, might have been a publicity stunt. I don't know. But he said, what can you guys do? And we're like, uh, well, let's see what we can do. And we made these little portable uh, person-like carriers. So the dive team could go down into the cave because they got trapped in there from a, from water rising. The dive team would take the chamber down there. They'd put a kid in it or something, and then they'd bring him back out to the surface, you know, make sure he had air and all that good stuff. Uh, I think we sent about 13 of them to the site, Mm -hmm. which they didn't end up using them. But what was really cool was my buddy Brian got to be one of the guys that tested it at the Arcata pool. Oh, really? So whenever we got to test something neat and small, meticulous like that, Arcata's more than happy to be like, yeah, We'll close off the pool so you guys can use this section of the pool to test your product. You know oh, that's I mean? awesome. So my buddy uh, Brian got to test it out, which was really cool. And uh, So what is it? It's like a little personal – it was like a personal little tiny raft? Or I how would you describe think, it? I think it was like – it was like a little personal cocoon. It was like a little – chamber thing so kind of like a dry bag like a backpack okay so i i think the way it works from what the pictures that i saw of the actual product like sitting in the back of a truck or sitting there next to the shore or something like that was that it was like a little chamber about the size of 50 gallon drum maybe a little smaller and they just i would assume they put a person in it with some kind of either a hose from the guy's air tank or another air tank or something, some way for him to breathe. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't have to hold his breath for however long it would take them to get him out. I mean, and it's just a little transportation thing. 
to get them out. But uh, we never, they that? never used any of them. Mm, yeah. But they were there if they absolutely needed them. It was like the water was rising or something and they had to get in there. Like another monsoon was coming or something something crazy was going down, right? And I think couldn't... the story that I know is that the coach took them on a trip out to the beach or something like that and they found a cave. They're like, cool, let's go explore the cave. So they go in the cave and they're in the cave for however long while the water rose and closed off their exit entrance. So it must have been like a little swimming underwater kind yeah. of thing to get in. And now it's really underwater and it's way too deep for any one of them to make it out. And they were starting to starve and stuff like that. I, They were trapped for however long. I mean, I think it was like over a week, wasn't it? That's, it was something. That's pretty crazy, man. I mean, like that. I'd be starving after two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine? And I'm imagining they didn't have like a lantern or anything, obviously. So they're sitting in the dark in this cave. <laughs> Who knows with what? Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard anything else about it since, uh, other than they got yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, they didn't use our product. They got out, but their product was there if they needed it. So I'm just glad we were able to help them out in any way we could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What we, a crazy. We built a lot of stuff for SpaceX too. Oh, do you really? Yeah. We, we don't have too much to do with SpaceX, but we've dealt with SpaceX. Like we built this big, huge giant, uh, like moon, uh, retrieval craft kind of thing that like just looks like an above water pool. But it's an inflatable tube kind of a thing. But otherwise, huh. it's, it's it's like an overground pool. For? To, to like, it was ideally there to like catch the... The uh, rocket boosters the return oh, The return snap. capsule that the, um, the astronaut would be in. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... So we're talking about a... Huge. I mean, I'm imagining that thing being huge then, right? Way bigger than your studio. Yeah. Way bigger than your studio. We have a big open space in the middle of the finishing department. It's our biggest department. But uh, we're in an old sawmill that the train used to come through and stuff during the logging days here. And there's these two big steel I-beams. And we had to build this, these two chambers and then deflate them, turn it. So it's the deflated chambers that were up against the pillars. Inflate those and finish building it. Because it's so damn it's big. It's so huge. It's Whoa. just massive. It took up six different bays. We could be building six different boats comfortably in the space that it took to build that one craft. Wow. It Massive. Wow. And so the idea would have been you'd float that out on top of the ocean and it would land on that. Yeah. Okay. Ideally. Yeah. That's, that's what we were hoping would happen. I mean, we're just trying to help out in any way we can. Yeah. You know, I mean, trying to make the world a better place. That's insane. For you guys are really diversified then. I mean, you guys are building all sorts of shit out there. We're, we're leading the charge for inflatable solutions. And, what was really cool was a year or two ago, Andrew's like, I'm going to all of the veteran workers here on the floor and the veteran workers that have been working here for over 10 years. Since we're starting our raft line back up, I'm naming the rafts after you guys. 
So Jimbo, who's been working there for 14, 15 years, he got uh, he has kayaks named after him. So you can call him up and be like, hey, I'd like to order a Jimbo. Or you got like the Surge, which is like an 18-foot boat, uh, river raft. You got the Nichols. You got the Runyon. You got the Sproul. Oh, uh, that's cool. You got the KO, which is like a cat tube kind of thing. I mean, it's super cool. And uh, sometimes we'll build show boats. So uh, Andrew, our owner, who's also the head uh, sales department guy, he doesn't he doesn't just sit up there and he's like, I'm the owner. You know what I mean? He's actually involved in the company as he goes out and he makes sales. He he doesn't just he's not just a big corporate CEO tycoon kind of guy. He's on the ground working with. He's you guys. on the ground. He'll he'll come in and he'll head he'll spearhead meetings for us and stuff. He's always there at the Christmas party. That's a hell of a fun time. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, we have Christmas parties. We have, uh, we do profit share every quarter. So we get a little extra kickback for that as like an appreciation kind of a thing. I mean, it's a super cool place and all the people are super cool and super grounded and right-minded kind of individuals. And we always got new people coming in and leaving for whatever reason they decide if they quit or if they have to go, if they... The life just gets in the way. Yeah. I mean, and Andrew gave us, uh, the owner has given us, he's very lenient when it comes to, oh, you have a family and with this COVID going on, I mean, everybody wear your mask and make sure you socially distance and stuff like that. And, uh, but he's like, I mean, you got kids and if you got kids that are going into kindergarten or first and second grade, they don't really know how to zoom. I mean, somebody has got to be there. So, uh, somebody might miss this day so their wife can go to work and then vice versa. And you know what I mean? But I mean, everybody's got to work and everybody's picking up the slack that there is for people that either go out because of COVID or they uh, can't come to work because somebody has COVID or they need to go get tested or whatever and stuff like that. I mean, it it's a wild world we live in with the COVID and all the restrictions. Yeah. Who the hell knows now. what direction everything's going, you know? Yeah. But that's cool that he does that. I mean, that's the way you should he's, run he's a business. He's very lenient. Uh, Wing is very family oriented. It is a very good family company. All the employees are very, they work all together. We all click. And uh, if you got something that you need to talk about, like when my windshield was cracked, I almost took out my 401k that I started with them. And Lisa was like, Whoa, hold on. If you need help with your windshield, we'll help you out. I mean, we can go through everything. And if you need that little extra cash, we can take your 401k out and we'll just start it up from zero again. And I mean, whatever we can do to help, just let us know. I mean, I was... I make enough to be able to save the money up and get my windshield out and get it fixed up and stuff. And it wasn't as bad as we thought it was, but I mean, they were there to help me. Mm. Uh, they, they'd help you in any way you can, you know That's what I mean? Cool. Cause if I don't have a windshield, I don't have a car. I can't make it to work. And so, I mean, then everybody's screwed. Well, then it's just butterfly effect really yeah. from that. I yeah. mean, just goes on and on and on and on and gets worse and worse and worse. But yeah, they're, they're very, how can we help? 
tell us what we can do to help. I mean, you got any ideas to how, how we can make this better? You got any ideas how to better this and stuff like that? I mean, it's super cool. How did you get started with them? Did you just kind of fall I, into it? I know people that work there. Oh, okay. So, so like word of mouth kind of got around. Yeah. When I got hired, they did a short hiring period where uh, they were looking for a guy, maybe two, for fabrication. And uh, they told me that, okay, so the job that you applied for, uh, the job that we're looking for right now is a fabrication job. Do you, are you aware of that? And I said, I'm looking for any job here with wing inflatables. And they're like, all right, well, the, fla- uh, the job we have available is in fabrication. Uh, it starts at however much it starts at and it start it it'll be an eight o'clock to four o'clock job and stuff like that and i was like all right and i did my interview and all that stuff and it turned out well and then uh i knew my uncle started a year prior to me in welding uh i knew one of my my best friend at the time her dad worked as a quality check in the welding department uh, I knew a couple other, I knew another guy that was in the, uh, general QA for core. Uh, he's a family friend of mine. And then I knew another family friend of mine that was kind of like the Jack of all trades and the trainer guy. What? Like a year or two after I started, he became the main trainer guy and he's kind of like the Jack of all trades. He can go into welding and do some welding and go into finishing, do some finishing. He can QA check if they need an extra QA because f- they're out for one reason or another. Uh, uh, I, I ended up that I knew a lot of people around there. I knew the guy that was leading the fabrication department and stuff like that. So when I got hired, I got hired with, uh, this guy named Justin and Justin went into fabrication and I went into finishing. So I feel like I got hired because there was, uh, because I was the second best and I knew so many people that said, he's a good kid. You should hire him. He works hard. He's a hard worker. He's a good kid. Like you guys wouldn't be, it's not a good idea to pass him up. And I think Justin was just the best man for the job. Mm-hmm. So they hired Justin. I don't know if he had any personal ties with people like I did, but uh, Justin got hired and got put in the fabrication position. And then they're like, we can always use more people in finishing. So they put me in finishing and I, trained and uh just got got the uh got the hang of things and it's a really interesting job and i love the work i love the job i can't really say anything bad about it yeah it sounds like it'd be a hell of a lot I mean, of fun just building crazy boats you know what i mean yeah i mean dude come check out the shop sometime i definitely will have to once you, once you, covid gets settled down i'll definitely yeah, check that out you can come in and like you can uh uh you can come in on like my lunch break and I could show you around if you wanted me to. Yeah. I mean, you could come in after work and I could show you around or whatever. I mean, uh, the, the finishing and welding, like the main manual labor crew comes in at six and we get off at two thirty, mm-hmm. which is really cool because when you get off at two thirty, I don't know, you drive all the way across Eureka. You go from Arcata Samoa Boulevard all the way across to the south side of Eureka, just outside the city limits. That takes about half an hour. So it's three o'clock. You're at home. 
You need to go pay your cell phone bill. You can stay, still make it down to the cell phone place. You need to go buy and pay the water company or the PG&E places that close at 5. You can still make it there. You got half you know a day I mean? still. Yeah, you still yeah. got half a day. But, I mean, you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, put your fucking pants on, you get out of your house at 5.30, you get there at 5.50, you clock in for your 6 o'clock shift. Two hours later, you get a 15-minute break when, you're, when you only have to have a 10. They give you a 15. So you can make it down to Murphy's Market and get something to eat. You can go to the gas station up the street. You can go up to Wild Berries. You can go to Natural Foods or whatever, you know. And you can go get some breakfast or something like that. Then uh, two hours later after that, you go back. You clock out for half an hour. You eat your food. You watch Netflix or whatever you want to do during your break. You go outside. You smoke and whatever, however you do, whatever your vices are. I mean, to each their own. And then you come back, and then two hours later, you get another break, and two hours later, you get off. That's all she wrote. Yeah. And then uh, a lot of the time, they give you, uh, they're open on Saturdays, so you can go get some extra overtime hours on Saturdays, or you can stay a little later after work. But, I mean, when you're bonding something, if you're, say you're bonding chafe, just a piece of fabric on top of a piece of fabric, you get halfway through that, and the go home bell rings and you're like, well, I'm going to go home. You can't just leave half a piece bonded. Yeah. You have to, because when you glue something up, uh, the glue's only good for so long. So if you glue something up and you let it sit overnight, like if you glued up the chafe and the go home bell rings and you're like, okay, well I got a coat of glue on it. It's not on the boat or anything. I'm not in the middle of bonding. I'm just in the middle of gluing. I can finish this panel up, go home, come back, put a new coat on it, a fresh new coat on the panel and on the boat, and then you can bond it. Because mm-hmm. it reactivates those other layers of glue that were on there. We do a uh, two-layer on fabric, a three-layer on rub strike. So we'll uh, if we're bonding rub strike, we'll put two layers of glue down the side of the boat in the uh, application area. And on the rub strike, since it's the high density PVC rubber, we'll put three coats on that because it really roots into the pores. Okay. Yeah. Just to really get that seal. Yeah. Yeah. And we always, we always try to get the best seal we can. If there's any bubbles, we'll push them out to an, uh, to like an air pocket, like where the webbing is applied together. There's a little air channel that goes all the way down that put the flange down as best we can or or we push it out to the edge of the fabric so get the air out because we don't want pockets of air anywhere. Mm. And that's what QAs are looking for is they're looking for edges that aren't bonded down because we don't want water hitting those and peeling them up and then ripping off your attachments or anything. Uh, We don't want pockets of air because it will sooner or later start to the, the edges will start to lift up sooner or later, either salt water, UV rays, no matter what's going to happen. I mean, nothing lasts forever. Yeah. So it will lift up and then it'll hit that air pocket and just catch it. Tear off. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a, a release mm-hmm. at that point. If you hit that air pocket, what, uh, did the owner, I mean, what was his goal in starting the company just to like make some cool inflatable boats? I mean, did he have the river rafts, river rafts Bill Wing started his... with river rafts. I'm pretty sure. And like, it just grew to what it is now. It, it grew. We uh, got traction, grew and became a multi-million dollar company. 
And then the company bought other companies like Henshaw that's doing the same thing, but in England to their standards with uh, Hypalon fabric instead of polyurethane. Um, we got, uh, we own another company, like I said, Mustang Survival. We own uh, one that does yacht bulkheading. So like windows and doors and hatches for yachts and stuff. We hmm. own a company that does that. Uh, Patton. Patton does all that stuff, I'm pretty sure it is. Wow. But uh, you can look up almost all of our products if you if you go on your computer right now and go to Inflatable Solutions. Uh, I think it might be .com or .net. But, uh, yeah, you can so look up there. Wing Inflatables and you'll find it on your Google search. But I'm pretty sure the uh, the web bar is Inflatable Solutions. Huh. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting, cool thing. Yeah, it's incredible we... how you could just find a niche like that and then it just takes off organically, you know, to all these different facets of what, I what mean, you're I mean, the same thing on. happened with Netflix. That's it a really good point. started in the garage. And now it's a, uh, they started with sending DVDs and renting DVDs and stuff. You know what I mean? It started with, hey man, have you seen this yet? Let me get it back in like two days. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, and then it's like, oh, a guy in New York wants to see this movie. We'll mail it to him. So you mail the DVD and say, hey man, just send it back to us. You know what I mean? For 12 bucks, you can, we got all these titles that you want. And now... It's just like you go on your computer, you go on your PlayStation console, any any kind of internet service, smart televisions, dude, wild stuff. Crazy stuff. And you can just be like, I want to watch Seven Strong. Boom. You got Seven Strong playing. Or uh, I want to watch Teen Titans. Boom. You got Teen Titans playing. And then now there's Disney Plus and ESPN. Everybody's trying to get into that. Hulu. That realm. HBO Max, all that stuff, man. Netflix is a great example of what happens if you don't innovate in a business. Because if anyone should have created Netflix first, it should have been Blockbuster. Oh, hands yeah. down. Yeah. But you just don't. You get too comfortable with your business model. You're not pushing if you, the boundaries. If you don't, if you, yeah. If you don't push the boundaries in advance and come up with something new, like, gonna e get like Elon Musk does every two seconds of his that life. That guy is moving. <laughs> that yeah. guy has the most traction anybody could ever see, dude. I wonder how long how long can you sustain that though? Cuz it's one I mean it's one guy. It's Elon Musk just running How many ideas do you have in your head, man? That's a good point. How many new idea how many new ideas do you think you can make the world better? That's a good point. I mean, he's I don't I don't even want to go relatively close to politics, but I mean, the way he just he pushes the buttons of everybody. There is nothing he doesn't stop. Yeah. Like uh, on the Joe Rogan kind of experience kind of a thing. He was just all like, you know what? California doesn't want my company. Screw it. I'll move it to a different state. Oh, the U.S. doesn't want Tesla here. Screw it. I'll go to South America and build a facility there. Is he doing that? I, I don't know if he is. Wouldn't surprise me. That's what I heard. I heard he's just like, you know what? You don't, want, you don't want this? Screw it. I'll take it somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, the way he presents himself, he just doesn't care. He's going to do what he wants to do. Regardless. To improve the world. Which is good in the sense of his mission, right? Because he's doing good things. 
as as he presents himself, he is. Yeah. With the whole like electric cars, cuts back on emissions and stuff like that. And but then there's the oil companies that whew, don't even want to get into all that stuff. Crazy times, man. We're it's... in the midst of just crazy, incredible inventions, and yet simultaneously just the grasping of crazy ideas in the opposite side it's super wild man it's just so weird to think about it's it's like we're living in a moment where you can stand back and recognize like this is people are going to be talking about what happens for generations like the great toilet paper shortage of 2020 (laughs) that was a rough one man that's going to be in the history books oh and like the memes and stuff Dude, it's so crazy. That's one of the best inventions. I of memes. Yeah, <laughs> come on. The internet is unrivaled. Oh, oh, the internet. It always wins. Not gonna stop. Yeah. I, I, I don't like how the COVID has pushed us all into the paperless, no contact, no money. You can't even go to Dutch Bros buy. That was a money weird anymore. one where they were like, "We're not take we. We're not we're taking cash on the card." Yeah. And then the coin shortage and stuff. Yeah. Dude. We got to chalk all this up to the birds. Birds aren't real, man. Yeah, they're electric, right? <laughs> Battery. Battery. Battery power, dude. They're finally getting into the uh, rechargeable ones. That's why birds hang on telephone wires so they recharge. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, it's like your phone with but those to, wireless chargers. But to chargers. switch from manual batteries to the rechargeable ones, COVID's all not real, man. COVID's not real. They just want the government just wanted to lock everybody indoors for two weeks so they could change all the birds in the batteries. Are to the people actually one. saying this? <laughs> I have no I idea. I bet somebody I'm is. I'm just making this shit up as I go, dude. I just I, make well, the bird argument's real. If you browse yeah, yeah, Reddit, I, I know. man, you're going to hit that one. I quick. know the bird argument's real, but when I first heard that, I was working and Ethan's like, birds aren't real, man. I was like, what are you that talking about? That is the. Best conspiracy I have ever heard in my life. That's a good one. I'm riding that hard. I'm riding that line hard, dude. I mean, who thinks of that? And then I, it just went off on like, the government wants to lock us away for two weeks so they can change all the batteries in the birds and stuff like that. That's what happens when you give people too much free time. Oh, too much power. Yeah. 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 They're just trolls, they, dude. Yeah. Trolls are making it up. Yeah. And it's it's all along the lines of the conspiracy stuff, like. Oh, jet fuel can't burn steel beams and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Chemtrails. Yeah. Chemtrails yeah. was, I don't know if that one's still around, but that was Chemtrails, Bush while. did 9-11. I mean, to each their own. If you want to believe that Bush did 9-11, <laughs> hey, by all means, More power I'm not trying to rival you. But I mean, I just like to look at all the, how ridiculous some of it can be. But I mean, it might be true. That's the crazy part is some of it, that might be true. Like you, ever, you get to Epstein. Ever, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't want to get this podcast kicked off the air. Oh man, we're going deep. You ever heard of Fall Cabal? No. Is that a person? No. Fall Cabal is this documentary. It's a documentary that you got to go deep. You got to go deep in the internet to find Fall Cabal. It's not like on Netflix or. Oh Google. no. Fall Cabal. Fall Cabal. I uh, I listened to a podcast called The Glorious House of Gains. Plug, Glorious House of Gains podcast by Fitness Robert podcast? Frank. Fitness uh, podcast? Kinda. Okay. Uh, Robert Frank is the guy that does the car rage videos. You ever seen those? He it's it's like five o'clock in the morning and he 
and he takes a bandana and he wears it down on his face like this and he just yells into his phone no, at five o'clock in the morning and he's just like, uh, he talks about like the first one that really took off was Pokemon Go. He did one about Pokemon Go and it, he titled it Pokemon Go Fuck Yourself. Oh, no, like, I haven't seen that. Oh, you're all going around trying to catch Pokemon and shit like that and they're like, why don't you get in the, why don't you get in the, uh, why don't you go to the glorious house of Gaines and take the 130s for a ride on the incline? He's just this big, massive, juiced up, just super bodybuilder guy. But his whole shtick is like, his shtick is it's an upper body business. Hmm. All he does is upper body. He does no lower body workouts. His, Yikes. his workout regimen. I love it, dude. I, I just love it. I mostly follow it because I don't, I don't care about legs. Legs, my legs will work out when they support the weight of my T top. <laughs> so oh, it's just like his, his workout regimen is Monday through Friday or Monday through Thursday is international chest day. Jesus. On Friday and Saturday, you do the bicep tricep supersets, the Guido pump. And then after going out uh, on a Saturday night with the boys, you go in on Sunday with your hangover and you do shoulders and back and you got to work your delts because you got to have delts the size of bowling balls that make the panties melt. Oh God. And he has a whole bunch of different, different Oof. like, like, uh, just rhyme mottos like that. Just going in. And I hope he didn't step over any copyright kind of things right there, but it's just fun. so great. I'll have to check that out. It's so funny, dude. And, uh, He's he's a social network or a social media influencer mm. for sure. And like he's he's sponsored by Steel. Steel companies, Steel Supplements is one of the companies. Oh, that's that a supplement company? Yeah, Steel is a supplement company. They make this, uh, they have a deal with Blender Bottle to make the stainless steel uh, uh, insulated water bottle. I have one of those. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't and, know uh, that was, uh, it's not. Well, Steel isn't the only place that did this. Okay. I mean, Blender Bottle has their brand of the steel. Yeah, I have a too. Blender Bottle one. But um, are they yeah. pretty good supplements? Dude, Jason Huge, huh? The founder of Steel, took it all down to a science. It's uh, the motto on the containers is like uh, uh, foraged, foraged and steel backed by science or something like that. It's pretty good. And the brand is steel supplements. And dude, those fuckers, instead of like the term of knocking your dick in the dirt, it'll throw your ass into this fucking stratosphere. Mm. Cause like they have three different types of pre-workout. They have all different kinds, BCAAs and veg pros and vegan pros and, uh, Y pros and, vitamins now they have vitamins they even got fucking dick pills dude like viagra yeah and it's it's herbal it's an herbal viagra huh yeah and but the best part is like they have their pre-workout the super like if pre-workout affects you a lot start with this pre stuff it's called pre pre that's all it's called pre then they have the um the one that's a step up from that, which is called the charged AF, literally charged AF, which is double, 
the energy booster and the vascularity booster of the of the pre. And then they have the amped. The amped has a warning label on the lid. Like all the directions say, start with a half scoop to assess your tolerance. The amped is extra energy, a little less of a pump where the charge is less of the energy and a little more of the pump. Mm-hmm. The amp says, stop, warning. Use a quarter scoop to assess your tolerance because you'll get wired off this What stuff, are they dude. just increasing like the caffeine and creatine or what? Um, it might to be look like... At the, look at the back. Oh, dude, it's so crazy. It's And it's it's like pretty... It's not steroids. I was going to say, and are they like clean quality? It's It's like... Some stuff, you'll have to go into it farther with like a representative or something like that. Mm-hmm. Some stuff won't make you pass certain stuff. Like like if you ate a bowl full of poppy seeds, you're not going to pass a drug test. Well, yeah, C4, you can get, you can piss a dirty drug test. Yeah, exactly. Like, And this pre-workout, some of the stuff, you'll piss dirty. Mm-hmm. But I mean, my buddy's taken it to his doctor and been like, hey, can I use this? And she looked at it and she looked at all the ingredients. It's like, you're just getting, yeah, this is all fine. This is great for you, actually. I, like, encourage this because you're just getting railed off vitamins. Mm. You know what I mean? You're getting hopped up and good and cool off vitamins and stuff. Can I take my hoodie off really quick? Yeah, yeah. Huh. I'll have to check that. I'm always looking for, you know, just keeping my eye on the horizon of supplements because everything's constantly changing, you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, the best vine, the best supplements I have ever found is steel supplements. Do you take like a multivitamin or well, wait, time out. I want to go back to this, uh, full cabal thing. Cause I'm still trying oh, to process oh, what that is before okay, we get, okay. we can talk about okay, supplements so, and shit all day. So Robert Frank brought it up because he, he would watch what happened was like Fousey tube on YouTube and all the other people. I don't know what that is. Fousey tube is a, uh, I think he's like a video game commentator. Okay. Maybe. Okay. Uh, he's either a video game commentator. He's a YouTube vlog kind of guy. Okay. I don't. From I don't want to kind of sphere. slim it down too much. He's on YouTube. He's a big YouTube guy. And um, uh, another guy like that was this guy that he would watch. I don't know the guy's name, but he would do uh, Walking Dead commentaries and talk about the Walking Dead and what's going on in the Walking Dead's realm and era and stuff. And, um, the guy started doing a little bit of political stuff or not political, but like conspiracy stuff Mm -hmm. and YouTube literally annihilated him, just totally deleted his page, deleted all of his videos, deleted his, uh, YouTube account. Well, they're notorious for silencing opposing views and they're silent because either their algorithm or there's a person behind it doing something. Yeah, who knows? I right? mean, Robert Frank is all about the YouTube hates me. I mean, it takes me five years to get the blue check on Instagram. Mm. Like their algorithm is targeting me. I'm uh, what is it called? Uh, when uh, like shadow band, shadow band. Yep. I'm shadow band. So only 12% of my following can actually get to yeah, you. Yeah, can actually see your content and stuff. So, but then Robert Frank takes all of his buddies, like uh uh, there's Robert Frank, 
there's a uh, Joey NPC or bags or whatever, which is like his manager kind of guy. Shout out. This is going to be a whole shout out. Reel. <laughs> there's a uh, Jack man with the permanent tan Ray Vegas. Jack man with the permanent tan. Yeah. Jack man with the permanent tan. There's a uh, Vinny bag of chips, which is Joey bag of donuts brother. Jesus. Who's coming up with these names? Rob, dude, Robert Damn. Frank. It's it's because Robert Frank is like his middle, uh, his like middle name, and then six one five is his uh, is his birthday. So because he doesn't want his actual information out there, you know. Mm. But um, there's actually a uh, video on YouTube that you can uh, see about Robert Frank and his whole like before they were famous kind of thing and his whole transformation and stuff to being just this big jack tan juicy guy. And, um, but he would watch that, uh, that commentator or the, uh, the walking dead guy. And when he started doing conspiracy stuff, his stuff got all deleted, but not after, not until after Rob saw him say fall cabal and talk about a little bit about fall cabal and fall cabal is just this big conspiracy thing and how they're all linked. You ever seen the, the play into the woods? I by the Grimm it brothers. Sounds familiar, but I I don't think great so. theatrical play. Uh, Johnny Depp starred as the wolf, not in like 2012. They made it into a movie. Oh, maybe and Johnny I've Depp seen played the a wolf. Movie. Remember, remember yeah. hearing about Johnny Depp getting a small part in a movie, and it was yes. just like he gets killed off. Mm-hmm. And it's like, maybe whoa, really? Saw the Johnny movie. Depp of all people. Yeah, Into the Woods is literally. It takes. The Grimm brothers take all the fairy tales that they wrote. So Cinderella, Rapunzel, Snow White, all those fairy tales. Uh, and they're all connected by the baker and the baker's wife. So you got Little Red Riding Hood. You got Cinderella. You got uh, the baker and his story. And it's all focused mostly around the baker. And then you got uh, the witch that is Rapunzel's mom and stuff like that. And it's, uh, it just adding the baker and having him dip his toes and trying to get one of everything from every fairy tale. Cause he has to get like uh, hair that is as gold as corn or as pure as gold. And he has to get a, uh, a cow that's as white as milk. He has to get a red that's, or a hood that's as red as blood. And so he has to get little red riding hood hood. He has to get Cinderella's hair or Rapunzel's hair. He has to get Cinderella's glass slipper. He has to get Jack and the Beanstalk's cow and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it just ties them all together. And that's pretty much what Fall Cabal does with all of the fairy tales. So Fall Cabal is just, that every it's all connected. It's pretty much connecting everything from the Kennedy assassination up through the coronavirus. It, it might oh, go into the what? coronavirus. I'm not sure, but it's deep dark web shit. Super so it's, super heavy conspiracy. So shit. it's saying that all those. So it's not related to the Disney stuff. It's just saying that like no, how no, that's connected. No, it's not connected. related to this Disney stuff, but in the way that. The baker uh, is connected to all these things. They're saying that all, everything yeah. else is connected. The way that the baker is connected to all these fairy tales and has something to do that alters their story, Falcabal mm-hmm. shows you on how all of these other conspiracies are connected and what they mean to the others. 
It's a super weird thing. Huh. It's wild. And it's just, it's a documentary. Yeah. Kind of going over that. Yeah. I I haven't. Had Did you the, watch it? I haven't had the time to look oh, yeah. and find it and watch it. But I'm going on a heavy protected computer to find that, dude. <laughs> I'm not going to use my PC at home. <laughs> Like my gaming PC. I don't have any protection on that because I built it from parts and pieces I ordered off Amazon, which was a fucking headache and a half, dude. Oh, we got to talk about that because I just built a PC like Did two, you? two months ago, maybe. Yeah. But times, yeah. but times. I know. Yeah. I got to talk to you about that. But Hold on. Find me at Wretched Dynasty on Steam. Wretched oh, Dynasty. Sure. Plug right there. Yeah, yeah. Plug. Um, <laughs> Wretched Dynasty on uh, PC, Xbox. What? Fall Cabal, I'm trying to, is it on, I'd imagine it'd be on YouTube if you did some digging or no. How did you hear about Fall Cabal from that guy? Robert Frank, the Glorious House of Gains podcast. Huh. It's on every platform you can find right now. And it's, it's a comedy podcast, I swear. Hmm. It's hilarious. And just two weeks ago, the, uh, they usually have three or four people and doing their at their round table of testosterone which is actually <laughs> is that what a square they call it? because they have a leaf in the middle of the table oh man which it's still a square if they have a leaf or not in it like robert frank's intro is like uh uh hey this is robert frank sitting at the round table of testosterone to my right we have the butcher the baker the donut maker jimmy or uh vinnie no Joey NPC. Sorry about that, guys. Joey, Jimmy, and Vinny. I'm sorry. But um, they're like, uh, to his right, we got the man who steers the ship, Pody. And he's like on the computer. He doesn't have a mic all the time. But they have like different little segments. And then to his right, we have the Jack man with the permanent tan, Ray <laughs> Vegas. Which, he is the best. And he is probably the most active person. Like you can hit him Those up on Instagram. Those names are the best. You can hit him up on Instagram and he'll actually text back to you. He replies to everybody. I just hit him up the other day about his merch drop that he just had. Another plug, Gold Fang Apparel, Gold Fang, and, uh, which is actually really cool. Uh, but I hit him up about that and then like sometimes he'll have his wife on there. Uh, not, not Ray, but uh, well, might be Ray's wife. I don't know, man. Ray and uh, Rob have been friends since they were kids, dude. So it might be his wife. I don't know. There's always that can little little joke between brothers <laughs> about you it. Doubt. You know, but uh, uh, Rob will have his wife, uh, Miss Booty Jiggles, on there. Oh my god! And he makes makes a oh, whole bunch yeah. of gym videos and like. It sounds like the bro the bro science guys. That is, have you seen that? Kind of like bro science, yeah. yeah. Where it's just like, like a comedy spoof about. But then he has people like Jason Hughes is called in as a guest a couple times. He has had um, uh, Guy Cicernino on there. I don't know who that is. Guy Cicernino is a big influencer for supplements and uh, gyms and working out and like a motivator. Mm-hmm. Like a motivator like that. He's had Guy Sister Nino. He's had C3 Muscle. He's had some of the guys from, uh, what's, uh, not Jersey Shore, Shoreline Mafia, I think it is. Those sh- no, not Shoreline Mafia. That's a rap group. Uh, it's uh, some guys that talk, uh, they're, one of their things is when you mess up, it's called a Feridian Slip or something, which... 
it's just other guys like that. And uh, he's had Crowbar from uh, WWE come on mm. or WNC or whatever the not WWE, but the one underneath that or something. The he's yeah, a professional no rapper that. either yeah. way. He's a professional rapper or uh, not rapper, but a wrestler. Okay, he's a professional wrestler. He's had wrestlers come on, and he's been on wrestling podcasts and multiple other podcasts and stuff like that. He's a really interesting dude, hmm. and he's not just always like. It started with him yelling at his phone in a car about uh, pop culture, about different pop culture topics and stuff. It just took off. And it just, he got some traction and it just, I don't even know why they call it sky's the limit when there's footprints on the moon. You know what I mean? True. I don't even know why people say True. that. And that's just a quote from a, that's a quote from a stand-up comedian, which that's a whole nother thing we could get into. What, stand-up comedy? <laughs> oh, dude, so many guys are just so funny. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, now, comedy. Well, Burt Kreischer and all of his Prior to COVID, hilarious. comedy was really pushing the boundaries on a lot of topics. I mean, Daniel go, Tosh is unstoppable. They, this is the final season of Tosh.0, isn't it? I don't think they continued it. I haven't seen Tosh.0, dude. I've been watching Netflix for the past five years, nothing else. Mm. I haven't been on cable ever since. Yeah, I don't watch much TV either, unless it's if it's not online or on Netflix, or you're just not watching it. It anymore. just doesn't come across, man. I don't know what comedy's gonna look like though after this. I and mean, with this... the woke dude, the woke mob, if it went away, it's definitely back with a freaking vengeance to wash away the sins of everything. It's it's a wild, wild world, man. Just like that book that we had to read in high school, it's a brave new world. I don't know if I read that book. Never read Brave New World. I don't world? know if I read that. How about George Orwell's 1984? No. George Orwell's I, I 1984 is all about one, like no. Big Brother and Watching. the government kind of controlling you. But Brave New World's all about conformity. Hmm. Brave New World's all about like uh, where that's that's where we are born. now well, is conformity. Well, people aren't born and they're conditioned. So like as uh. What they'll do is they'll take an egg and they'll uh, run it through like x-rays and expose it to alcohol and other stuff to make the egg multiply. And then when it multiplies, the more it multiplies, the lower in grade it, it becomes. So what happens is like uh, the lower their thought process and the more uh, on the spectrum, if we're being politically correct, they are. Uh, I don't want to say the spectrum like or anything. Gender? Well, no, no, like on the spectrum of like mental capacity. Okay. So like the more that they're duplicated, the lower their mental capacity is. Mm -hmm. So like epsilons are only bred to be elevator operators. That's all they do. Hmm. Epsilons only operate elevators. And then uh, I can't remember what the D one is. Uh, it's not deltas, but it's like... Uh, Something they're they're they do a little they have a little more responsibility and something like predetermined positions in life. Yeah, and like then you're like, being bred and then for like a role. the the betas and the alphas. The alphas are like the top. They're the fucking peak. The Ivy School League and the top of the top. And they're not like duplicated and bred. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But there's nobody is born naturally anymore. 
the the egg is inseminated and then it's removed and then it goes through the whole process huh and then as as the egg actually develops and becomes uh, a baby or whatever as they're sleeping they're the whole like uh, they have loudspeakers gently conditioning the child well you could make an argument that Social media is conditioning a lot of people. Have you seen the social, social media is doing the shadow manning thing, dude? They're oh, yeah. taking focus and putting it on only specific topics. Have you seen, uh, I think it's called the social network <laughs> on Netflix? No. Oh man. I think I'm going to have it in my list though. It's a good one. Is it? It's all these people, um, from these powerful positions at like Google and Facebook, like a guy that coined the Facebook like button that helped create that he's in there um these powerful people at like twitter snapchat like all these major tech companies and they're saying this is detrimental to us like these platforms are legitimately hurting people they're distorting people's perceptions they're altering how we fundamentally think and how we view each other well that's also because a lot of people that's their only form of news or communication yeah. with other people. My mom lives out in freshwater here. Like she inherited my grandfather's house that he built surrounded by trees. So, and she's been having a little bit of a hard time with it. So I got her a cell phone and she was telling me the other day, she's like, this is the only communication I have because she doesn't have her Wi-Fi set up yet and mm. stuff like that. You know what I mean? But the only way she her only form of news is the internet which is a lot of people now a lot of people don't even have home phones anymore yeah so like you got an emergency you try calling 911 where you at where you at i don't know where i am like where are you we can't track your cell phone could you call us back on a landline what is that yeah that's gone like i still have a house phone i put planet fitness on that and stuff <laughs> i don't i don't want them calling me for <laughs> that's a smart bro don't call yeah. me but like yeah so whenever i forget my card and i go to planet fitness i'm like oh my phone number is 707 and i was like oh wait no it's on my house phone sorry about that <laughs> and then they got to type it in like three times mm. so but uh yeah i got my mom a cell phone and that's her only form of news that's her only form of entertainment that's her only form of anything Cause she also doesn't have a car right now. Her car crapped out on her. So she doesn't have any way to get around. That phone is her lifeline. That, that phone is everything to her right now. Other than just sitting in a house, you know, staring at a wall. She didn't even have paint to watch that dry. You know what I mean? Which, what do you, what, what do you do when you're consuming a stream of information that can be doctored by whoever is on the other end of that? How do, what, you, how do you go about handling that? It's not what you can do. It's what you have to do. It's more like you have to be able to step back and know, all right, I know A, B, and C, but this totally counters A and B. Like how that can't be real. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to take a step back and actually be like, okay, I can't believe everything that they tell me. I can't believe everything that's on the internet. I can't believe everything that's on television. I have to, I can only believe what I 
can truly get behind seeing as a possibility. So like a lot of people, it, it's, I've had this thought for a long time. It's like, if I went out and said, wow, Nick, he's a fucking asshole, dude. I don't know what's up with him. People will be like, all right, Nick's an asshole. Okay. They I'll take your word it. for it. They won't go and be like, you know, I want to, I want to find that out for myself. I want to hang out with Nick and actually see what kind of guy he is. You know what I mean? Like, I know a lot of people that are like, oh, he's a dick. You know what I mean? So it's like a lot of people are just like, I heard he's a dick. I guess he must be a dick. Well, maybe he's just not that. Whoever told you he's a dick, maybe he's just not that kind of guy. Well, even more than that, nobody's asking why. Yeah, yeah. Why is he a dick? Why is this guy, why do you hate, why? Like what happened? Nobody's asking why. And then you might hate that guy just because he's not your kind of personality that you're parallel with. Mm Mm-hmm. But then there's also people that are like, oh, you like Trump? Fuck you. We can't be You're friends. You're a piece of shit. I'm not your friend anymore. Dude, people have been being unfriended for supporting Trump or supporting Biden or whatever. Well, you know what the most virtue signaling thing is out there right now are these posts on like Facebook or Instagram where, oh, if you don't believe this, just unfriend me now because we, we can't associate. <laughs> it's like, where's the nuance in that? Dude. Like, what kind of... Oh, one-minded man. way of thinking are we on right now i uh i went out last night with my buddy kenan and my uh trans friend alice and we met up with one of her friends that does drag and stuff and uh uh tonight he was mike and uh he prefers the pronouns of what he is at the time mm-hmm. and he was dressed like a man so he was mike and that's what he preferred to be as that night and, dude, you want to go into some fucking shit, like political and government and stuff like that? He's the guy you need on here, dude. He goes yeah, give, super deep. Give him my number. Tell him to hit me up. I would, dude, love, I would love to talk to him. Mike is a crazy guy. Like, he goes super into it, and everything makes sense. It's, he's it's, transgender or he's a, he's a cross-dresser? He's a cross-dresser. Okay. He's not a, I, from what I gathered last night, first meeting him, he's a super cool guy. He's, uh, I think he might be gender fluid. So he might be, cause he'll go from male to female. You know what I mean? When he dresses up as a woman or his, uh, girl, be, uh, Bianca, mm-hmm. he's, he's, uh, prefers the pronouns she, her. But when he's Mike, he prefers the pronouns him, he. What do you, you think of that? Mean? Hey, to each their own, dude. I support you fully in whatever you want to be and however you want to be it. Because mm-hmm. my other friend, Alice, she's trans. She's male to female trans. And she prefers the pronouns her. So her, she. So I call her her, she. Mm-hmm. And like me, her, and Kenan Snipes from high school. Plug. If he has anything to promote, uh, Hey, he's, he's single looking to mingle, but, uh, he, uh, he went out and he, he's like, dude, this is the most intelligent conversation I've had in like six to eight months. Wow. Like ever since COVID started, this is, this is the best night I've had since because it was just a super in-depth conversation. 
It's like we went out to go to the bars, but then we just ended up driving around talking the whole time. Those are some of the best it nights, man. Wild, dude. It was so in depth. It was so interesting. It was so cool. It was really fascinating. And like I've I've seen an episode or two of the Joe Rogan experience. And the way that he talks to his his guests and stuff, it was like being at a Joe Rogan experience. But instead of being the guy conversating, it was Kenan in the passenger seat and Mike behind me. Mm. And I'm just sitting there like, Holy shit. Whoa, dude. This is, um, this is just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. It was so cool. It, It was just so interesting. I think people want to have real authentic conversations. I think we're tired of this cookie cutter bullshit that is, oh, you can't say this because that goes against everything I believe, so we can't even talk. Yeah, yeah, I'm not like, going to hear you not, out. We're just I'm not, not going to hear talk. your side of the story. Yeah. Why do I need to hear your side? I already got one side of the story. Yeah, I've already made up my mind. I don't even need you to speak right or now. Or like, or like, if there's, there's uh, people, there's common spats with everybody. Oh, with so, everything. So you're you're friends with uh, guy A, and you know guy B, but you're not really friends with him. You're going to take guy A's side the whole time unless you hear guy B's side of the story. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you're not going to do that because you're just like, all right, I'm with you. You and me, we're buddies. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Like what? How are you going to have any kind of genuine and honest opinion On if you don't get as much information as you can? That's as simple as that. It's, it's just what the world has become nowadays, dude. It's wild. How easily an opinionated people can just jump to conclusions and just take everything. They Nobody takes anything for a grain of salt anymore. Well, I think it's because we've become in our mission to become better. We've gone too far in our in our pursuit of building an understanding and like culture. social justice warriors. It's and too stuff, far. Dude. It's just too far. People get offended for other people. Which is insane. What it's, what does that even what does that even mean? If you go on Netflix and you watch Burt Kreischer's new his newest uh his newest stand up comedy, it's Hey Big Boy. Yeah. There's a plug. Hey Big Boy it's a good dude. Comedy special. It's so good. If you watch that one, there's uh He's talking about one joke where he goes into the Starbucks and he talks about, and he talks to the, there's a black kid behind the counter taking his order and stuff. And he's like, uh, he goes, he just makes multiple different black references. And the final one is like, uh, the one that just knocks everybody on the ground. Cause like he's, he's telling all his coworkers and they all stop to watch this happen because he goes in and he's like, oh, I want this coffee like this. And he's like, uh, how black do you want uh, it? Or do you something? want uh, do you want cream? And he's like, Oh yeah, no, yeah. I wanted to not know its father. And then the lady Come behind on, Bert's all like, What did oh. you say to him? And he goes, I don't want it to meet its father. And then and then she's like, What's that supposed to mean? And the kid pops up from rolling on the ground <laughs> laughing. And he's like, It means he wants his coffee black. <laughs> Oh, we just, we've just but I mean, comedians have such, they have such a safety net where they can say stuff like that. They used to. I don't know. I don't, I honestly, I've been trying to think about Check it. Check out know Bill Burr, dude. Last. Bill Burr just goes on fucking rants. Yeah, but how many people are out there 
like Bill Burr or like Joe Rogan or like these people who aren't afraid to say something. It's hard to break through that wall and get into that stream of the comedy scene. No, I just mean in life. Like how many people are actually willing to stand up to someone that says that's racist and be like, I'm not racist. That's no. Like you don't get to just accuse someone of racism these things for no reason like like me and my me and my black friend have an understanding where i can tell him the most racist jokes that i have ever heard dude Mm -hmm. and he's like that's a good one dude he'll laugh his ass off at the racism jokes he's accepted himself and the ethnicity that he is and he dude you can't cross a line with that guy and i know that i can't cross the line with him because he doesn't have that line because he's a family friend of mine. I've known him since I was a child. Well, exactly. You guys are friends. He knows you. He presumably knows that you're not, you know, being I'm a piece of racist. shit. Yeah. I have a black girlfriend. It's not my first either. But see, there are people out there that will hear you say that and be like, he's racist. Just, just, and it's like, and well, like, then how do you, I'm not, what I'm do not you trying say? to use that as like, a, I'm not racist no, I because know. I have yeah. a black friend or I'm not racist because I have a black girlfriend. It's like, no, I like the person for their personality and I and I enjoy being around the person. It doesn't matter if they're black, white, whatever. Whatever. But it's like you're you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. There's no good side. You can never be on the good side of it. Yeah. Because there's always people that hate you for doing being on one side of it and there's people that hate you for being on the other. You can't ride that line. It's too thin. And what does that you do to your be life? By trying to run that line. Like you that just will gotta mentally let, destroy you. You just got to take a step back from the negativity and the people that don't want to, people that don't want to be a part of your life, dude, you just got to be like, all right, man. I mean, you really want to push me away that hard. You can push yourself away from me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I need. And if you're not, if you don't want to be around for that, see you later. I've had friends cut ties with me because they thought uh, I was immature and I was just drama when I wasn't at all. I did nothing but help that guy out. I've had friends like get girlfriends and then they're just like, oh, well, we're going to move to Washington. It's like, hey, man, I know you're going to a place where she has a whole bunch of friends there. You don't know anybody there. You want a guy to go with you and you want your buddy to be there with you? Hey man, I'll fucking pack up and I'll be right behind you. But I don't have to. You know what I mean? Mm. But instead, just dropped me, took off, then told one of our mutual friends, he said shit like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to be friends with Spencer anymore. It's just like, he's just drama. I'm, I'm just not going to be friends with him anymore. The worst part is, is a year prior to that, like maybe two years prior to that, me and him were helping uh, some of his buddies host a party. And he uh, he got fucked up or whatever. So we went out for a walk and he was drinking water. And I was, I was DDing. I was sober driver kind of a thing. And we just had heartfelt conversation and shit, dude. And what it really boiled down to was he was like, you're my best friend. And you will be the best man at my wedding. <laughs> He looked me dead in the eyes and he's like, no, dude, I'm sober now. Straight up. Straight up. You will be my best man. You are my best man. Gets with the girl, moves to Washington, gets married, joins the military. 
gets married, doesn't tell me, doesn't talk to me the whole time, gets married. There's a whole bunch of people up there. You know what's a good analogy? Is we can both sit here and recognize that, you know, social media and stuff can influence you and change you. Well, relationships can do that. Uh, maybe not quite as well, but they definitely can do that. If you go into a relationship and you're not, I don't want to say resolute in who you are, because we should all be opening, we should all be open to changing, you know, and growing as a person and becoming, you know, the best version of ourselves that we can be. But if you go into a relationship and maybe you don't really know who you are, you're trying to find yourself. Be easily swayed. Oh yeah, you can have your whole life altered in a direction where you don't even realize what is happening, but you're going along with it because you're so in love with this person or you think, you know, this person's the right person for you and you maybe you don't know, you know, you haven't grown enough or you don't realize these things, but that it can change you drastically from oh, yeah. the person that you are of or course. even from who you want to be. I've, I've changed from past relationships. I mean, I've, I've talked to people, my exes from the past. I've never had a bad breakup. I mean, my parents got divorced when I was seven, but my, my dad would always say, I still have love for your mother. I'm not mm. in love with your mom, but I still have love for your mother because she provided me you and your brother. She gave me the children that I loved dearly. She mm. gave me, she, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have you and your brother. And I love you and your brother so goddamn much. And my mom's the exact same way to my dad. My mom has, still has love for my father, but she's not in love with my father. She doesn't want to get back together with my father. But she's just like, I love your dad. I have love for your dad because of the experience and the life we spent together and the fact that without him, I wouldn't have you and your brother. You're my kids. I love my kids. You know what I mean? And like, I've, I've had past relationships that have made me a better person. Because I've done some wrong shit. Don't want to get too into it. I don't want to incriminate myself. Plead the fifth. But I mean, it's just like, I've, I've been able to talk my way out of some shit. I've really done some, I've come up with some bad shit. I don't know how, but I mean, I'd like to think I'm charismatic like JFK. (laughs) (laughs) Not enough to get shot, but I mean, enough to to be able to, soften some stuff and talk my way out of it because mm-hmm. i can't fight at all <laughs> it sucks <laughs> but uh yeah it's probably why you're so good at talking then you had to develop something you gotta, to get you out gotta of be somewhere man yeah my brother got the short fuse and the ability to throw punches and i got the more common collected thought process <laughs> that's the approach that we need to you know, how you were talking about how your mom and dad view each other. That's the approach we need to bring into just everyday life. Like I, you know, I love you. I disagree with your ideas maybe, but I still love you. Like I still care about you as a person. Um, just because we have differing beliefs or you feel some way about this and I feel some way different, as long as we're not hurting each other or hurting someone else or, you know, actively trying to harm somebody, like we can have a difference of opinion and still greatly care about each other and want to be in each other's lives and want to have a relationship. It's not an end all be all. No, no, it can be an end all be all. Like all my relationships have been like, if I tell you, I love you, that means a fucking lot. Not alone. If it's in love with you or if it's just that I love you, because that's a hell of a lot. 
and I'm quick to trust, but I am not quick to forgive. Like if somebody burnt me like that guy that went to Washington, dude, I, I don't want nothing to do with the guy. Because mm-hmm. he cut me out. He was quick to cut ties and just drop me. So, I mean, why should I put in extra effort to be your friend? I've always, I've always been the guy that puts in that extra effort and hits you up and hits them up to be their friend. You know what I mean? Like, Hey man, you want to go out or you want to hang out or do something like this? Or I got to go down here and do this. You know what I mean? But then they go do, uh, three times as much shit. Like I'll be like, Hey man, you want to go to AutoZone with me and get a fucking ball joint and, uh, hang out with me and help me put it in my truck. And they might be like, Oh yeah, sure. Sure. But then if they want to go do something like, Oh, hey, let's go to the river. They won't hit me up. I'll be, I won't even get fucking thought of. You know what I mean? Mm. And my dad told me years ago, he said like, you know, I don't necessarily want to go to everything. I just want to be invited. I just want to be known that I was thought of. Yeah, a lot of people say that. uh... I I just want to be invited. And I feel like that's how a lot of people feel. Mm. Like, I don't necessarily, a lot of times, it's not my... It's not like one of my uh, desires to do that or to participate in something like that. But the fact that you thought of me and that I might like to go really means something. It means that I'm not just passed over. It it means that you know I exist. Mm -hmm. It's You have an identity that people can see and perceive. And it actually makes you think, wow, I people actually know I'm here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what Kenan was telling me about last night because he's been locked in his house all through COVID. He hasn't been out. He hasn't been outside. He hasn't been seeing many people. I mean, me and him go to the gym three out of five days of the week. But now with school starting up, he's busy on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then on the weekend, he's super busy. And the weekend is when I get off. Yeah. So. What do you do? Especially, I mean, if you're like, I'm, I'm genuinely worried about the generation that's coming up behind us because their whole definition of self-esteem and of love and of communication is and their all depression and anxiety and it's, it's just... all through technology well i've been i'll do a shameless plug there's a book that i'm reading it's called irreversible damage um the transgender craze seducing our daughters by Abigail Schreier. It is a phenomenal book. I highly recommend anyone and everyone read this book. And it specifies daughters or daughters. Is it just yeah, it's focusing. No, it's focusing on daughters. Daughters, because, so female to male. Yes, because um, I think it was like 2012. With uh, cell phones and social media, there has been a switch in the majority population that is transitioning and identifying as transgender. It was. You know, back in the day, it was predominantly men who identified as women, predominantly, like 70, 80% of it was men. And then after like 2012, it has switched not only just to women, but to teenage girls, to like preteen and teenage girls. And it almost always occurs in friend groups. So if one friend identifies this way, you're like, I don't know, 80% more likely to have three or four friends in that group also identify that way. And they're trying to figure out, like, what is what is happening? Popularity. 
That's one of it. That is a huge they factor just, is you're identifying with a friend group. And I don't want to be left out. Oh. I want to be cool. I want to fucking fit in. So if this I, is the in thing to do. I struggled so much with that through high That school. feeling is all consuming until you realize it. Like if you're trying to fit in or try to get people to like you, you will use all of your energy and not even realize it. You'll have nothing left. I think one of the greatest things that helped us like for our generation, for like you and me specifically, weren't you in theater in high school? Didn't you? I, th- I found it senior year. I found it on my way out. I found theater. I, I found it on my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And what happened was <clears throat> my dad didn't want to pick me up so late because he's a man's man and he works fucking. He gets up at five in the morning. He goes out on the ocean. He has to fucking work on the ocean. He's a commercial fisherman. And he comes back and then he doesn't want to have to wait till 10 to come pick me up. Yeah. Because he's either sitting down, having a drink, calming down, relaxing, because he's got to get up and do it You're again at three day. in the morning. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's got to go out and fight that fucking ocean, dude. That's a scary fucking place. What's your dad do? He's a commercial fisherman. Okay, okay. Owner and captain of the Amy June. Oh. Tuna fishing right now. Another shameless plug. Another shameless plug, man. You got you got to plug all the boats. Damn straight, you know? yeah. You got to plug the fishing industry for sure. But like, uh, yeah, he's he's a fucking commercial fisherman, and my brother followed in his footsteps. But like, I found it freshman year, and I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it hard, dude. So the next three years, my elective, fucking theater, 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 theater. I wanted to do the stage construction, and that's what I did, and I did it really well. But I remember seeing you in one of those plays and stuff. And it's just that like what one of our buddies, Blake Santos, said on the way out when when my year was graduating and Blake was graduating and stuff. And he's like, you know, I went through a whole bunch of sports and I I was in football and like I just I just still didn't feel, you know, like I fit in exactly. But here in theater, it. I didn't find any other place I'd rather be Mm -hmm. like you guys are so accepting and there's such a diverse group of people here because we had, we had non-binary and not, not exactly transgender, but I mean like people that identified as the other gender and stuff. And, uh, we had lesbians and gays and all that stuff throughout theater. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's where anybody could be themselves and anybody else they wanted to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. That was really the most accepting and open place that there was. And I am proud of my theater time. I'm fucking tattooed, dude. I'm oh, getting, really? I'm, I'm getting the EHS players uh, masquerade mask, the Joy oh, and Sorrow mask here yeah. with the Ivy. And then it's going to have my graduating year, 2014 through 15. Oh, wow. Underneath it. It's just my tattoo artist fucking flaked on me. And now I got to find a new one. Mm-hmm. So it's just a... It, it's just like, dude, that was the best year of my life. I mean, fuck it. I'll peak in high school. I don't give a fuck because I had, I had such a great relationship and such a great friend group there because I struggled all the years up till then. I'd have a friend group for like a couple months or that year. And then the next year, it was just like I, I, had, to, I had to find somebody else. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had to find a whole new different group. It, it, it was hard. Well, I think theater uniquely theater in that aspect is is almost perfect for bringing people together because you have to be authentically yourself 
in all aspects of you gotta be really open and stuff too and all the people i'm i'm not trying to shine a bad light or say anything bad about it but i mean everybody's so weird that it's it's not really that they're weird it's just that so many people are so different it's almost like they don't care Theater, I don't want to use the word safe space, but like theater, like you could do, you can be whatever you want to be. Yeah, it literally not like, I mean, we know more about space than we do the ocean. The ocean's the fucking limit. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is no limit because it's just like people are so weird in their own different little ways and they're aware of that. It's not normal, whatever normal is. Mm It's just like you, they know that they're different and then they can recognize that and be like, I'm weird in this way and they don't do that, but I can't judge them for not doing it the same way I do it. Mm -hmm. So that's why they're so much more accepting of people in that environment because they know that they do stuff really different and they don't want to feel judged for it because they recognize that they're, they are different in themselves. So they don't judge the other people. And that's why they're so open mm-hmm. and accepting of people. I think I don't want to just single out theater because it's definitely, it depends on who you are as to where you're going to find that. And your sure. comfortability. Yeah. Cause with sports, how much, how unguarded you go into. Yeah. Cause sports, sports can do the exact same thing in a different way. In sports, you're not, you're not like opening up and like being, you know, just being completely open, I guess, in a sense, but you're going through a hardship, which creates an equally strong bond with your people. Like if you're freaking running three miles every day to start off practice, like you are gonna identify with those kids who are there doing, you know, pushing through that just shit like, with you. Just like military boot camp. Yeah. Bond of brothers, man. Yeah. It's you exactly go, like that. You go that. through the same hardship. I know how exactly I know exactly how you feel right now because I'm doing the exact same shit with you. And the only way we're gonna get through this is it's together. together. The only way we're gonna win this championship, or the only way we're gonna win this and go to the Rose Bowl, is if we work together, man. But see, how many kids today aren't experiencing that because their only identification is with what's on the other side of that phone? the the lack of human interaction has got to be hard it's just got to be so hard because you it's literally taking like you and me right here in person like this like i can see behind you i can see the hair off the back side of your neck like i can stand up and walk around you and actually get a full frame reference of your physical structure when on a phone you have no third dimension. It's literally a step back in how the world is. Yeah. Because it takes you from a three dimension to a two. Mm-hmm. And then everything's just flat. Like all these guys are watching this on a two dimension. If they watch the live or not the live stream, but the playback. Yeah. If they watch the video, it's, it's just two dimension. Like they can't see how many fingers I got behind my head. You know what I mean? But if you stood up and walked over here, you could. Well, even more than that, talking to somebody in person is just a completely different feeling. You pull so much more out of the conversation. You feed off of each other. I can, you know, say something and watch your reaction and that 
interprets how I'm going to respond to what I just said or like all and these nuances of if you're in human person, communication. If you're in person, you can't necessarily run away. If you're talking on the phone That's to somebody, true. you're on video chat with them and it's like... You might get your ass beat oh, well, in person. I think I might go vote for Trump. It's like, fuck you. Hang up. You don't even want to hear him out. Mm. Why? Like, dude, it's just like you can just totally cut yourself off so you don't have to hear anybody else's opinions or reasons why. You can but live I, in your bubble. If, if I was <laughs> to say... I'm going to go vote for Trump when the when the poll booths open or I'm going to mail in my vote for Trump because I support Trump. Hypothetically, okay, I could say that and then you could be like, okay, well, why? And then I, I can't just like be like, because I said so and leave. Yeah. Like, I'm here. You'll follow me outside and be like, no, no, no. Explain to me why you would vote for yeah, Trump. Yeah, tell me the rest no, of it. D- tell me why you support him. Hypothetically. I'm going to have to just clip that part of you saying that and just put it out. And just be Dude. Especially like, voting for Trump, man. I don't I don't know. Or we had to end the podcast there because it just got me. I'm not to do it. But you can take that hypothetically and just randomly put it in the audio. But yeah, that's, it's so much easier to just tune out whoever you don't want to listen to. Yeah, it's just so easy to be so solidified on your opinion that you don't have to listen to anybody else. It's, it's and why? wild. Yeah. It, why it, would you want to? I, I know my opinion. I feel that I'm right. So why do I, why do I need to listen to a different viewpoint? That Seems could sway be, me. Yeah. Why would I want anybody to change me? Like, like what? it goes, it goes back to, you need all the information, man. You need as much as you can get. Yeah. But people for some reason don't, don't want all the information anymore. It's like, it's, it's almost like it's too much. So now everybody just wants the least amount to reiterate whatever point they just heard. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to know, I don't want to know all the viewpoints. Just tell me your words and okay, I agree with it. So now I'm just going to restate that viewpoint if I come across that problem. And then when it, when it comes to any kind of information or anything, there's always like, there's the coffee shop politicians and stuff that are like they hear something in a coffee shop or something like that and they just take it for stone you know Mm. what i mean they just take it for fucking carved words it's like oh well this guy said this at the uh, at the fucking diner so i guess that's all true right i i mean that guy says trump said that he was gonna deport anybody that's mexican no matter if they have citizenship or not so i guess trump's gonna just deport everybody like what? Yeah. You you can't listen to him. He has a different viewpoint and he might be a super right-wing racist. You never know. And like just because he wants that to happen doesn't mean it's going to happen or somebody's going to let that happen. Yeah. And and then there's people that feed off confrontation and will start making shit up just to counter your opinion. So yeah. people will just be like, one plus one is two. Uh, no, nah, it's not. nah. One plus one is three. How about that? Because you see, you take the one and you cut it in half and then that makes it three and they just make shit up. And then, then the, the other guy hears that and he's like, oh, so one plus one makes three. And he goes off and he makes his own shit. And that's how rumors spread. Mm-hmm. And that's how rumors start. Is just somebody making shit up. 
Well, and how many people are living in the comment sections of Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? But they do that because it's so easy to hide your identity. But yeah, you can say some foul stuff and just fade to black. Circling, circling back to Robert Frank, dude. Because everybody will post in his videos like, oh, you're on fucking roids. Calm down on the roid rage, man. Shit like that. Mm-hmm. And what he does with all those negative comments is he does... Uh, he doesn't address them. What he does instead is he goes in his kitchen and he grabs a bottle of Jack Daniels, like Gentleman Jack, and he dances in his kitchen. And he has like all the all the like come up and then fade off the screen and stuff. And he's like just dancing to all the hate fucking comments oh, and man. shit. And he'll he's like taking drinks from the bottle and shit. And he's like wearing a little fedora super down low and he's all <laughs> And he's like super fucking jack tan and juicy as fucking shit, dude. He's Sometimes just, that's what you do, He's just do, a man. massive guy, dude. And it's, he makes all this shit out of comedy. It's just hilarious, dude. Sometimes you just got to let it... An expression my dad often says is you got to treat it like water and you're a duck and let it roll off your back. Just water off a duck's back. You just got to keep it moving. Because you know who you are. You know what you're about. Yeah, don't cry over spilt milk. And don't cry if somebody calls you something or says that you are something that you know you are not. That doesn't make you that thing. Like, you don't have to defend yourself based on an accusation that is just not not anything. Yeah, you are what you perceive yourself to be. Yes. And I, I don't want to necessarily want to say I'm a self-made man. But I've taken a lot of things that my father, like a lot of traits that my father has. Mm -hmm. And I have decided I don't want that. I don't want that for myself. Uh, But my father is a man that takes shit and he fucking takes care of it. He like something starts to happen. He's like, let's let's get to the bottom of this. Take care of this right now so we don't prolong it and make it a bigger problem. Yeah. Like I almost helped him take his fucking heater core out of his truck like 10 minutes before I headed here. Like, we were just trying to figure out how to get the heater to work in his truck again. Yeah. And, like, uh, I've taken, and with us living here in the Emerald Triangle, marijuana and drugs is just so easily accessible. And it's just so common for everybody. It's hard for me to find, like, a girlfriend that doesn't smoke or friends to hang out with that don't do it or anything because I've never done it. Mm. I've never smoked weed. I've never tried it. I've never done coke i've never touched coke i've never been around coke meth heroin anything like that i've never been around i've i mean i've had people do lsd i've had people do edibles i've had friends that smoke religiously i've never touched cigarettes i think tobacco is the stupidest thing anybody could do uh, I hardly ever drink. Speaking of drinking, I have another Corona. You want a Corona? <laughs> yeah, let's get one. All right, shit. But I mean... Keep it going. Yeah, it's just like, I've never done any of that. And I just, I could go off on a tangent of it about like how stupid I think marijuana is because I see a whole bunch of people that like use it as an excuse to prolong and just push problems back. So they don't have to address them. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just like people will be like, oh, shit, I got to go get gas for my car. Eh, you know, maybe I'll do it later. I'm just going to take a bong rip instead. 
oh, well, now I can't drive, so now I can't go get gas. Or, like, I need to change the brakes on my car, and it's going to be, it's going to cost me, like, 40 bucks for brake pads. Or I can take my 40 bucks, walk down to the dispensary, and get another bud and just smoke pot. And then they don't fix their brakes, which I could do brakes pretty easily, except for my own, apparently. Cheers, man. Cheers. Well, the problem with vices like that is they can become all-consuming. I yeah. mean, you can smoke weed and be productive. You can drink alcohol and be productive. But if all your – yeah, case in point. I mean, you can have a beer and relax on a Sunday and it's no big deal. But when you when it's daily or it's habitual and you can't function without – you're waking up and you're smoking weed and you're going to bed and you're smoking weed. Dude. It's – People say marijuana isn't addictive, but your body can become addictive to anything. Anything. Phones are addictive. You want to have a conversation about people on average open their phone over eighty times a day, and that's for a low user. I believe it. That's for a low user. I mean, I don't. I I'll forget my phone at home sometimes. I'll be like, you know, this is actually kind of nice. I mean, I don't get to listen to my music. But, I mean, I got mixtape CDs from when, you know. Back in the day. Before I had Bluetooth. Yeah. I had to put, when I bought my car, it was just too good of a deal to pass up. So I had to buy a car instead of a truck like I'm used to. And I bought the car. Stock stereo had no Bluetooth, no aux, no nothing like that. It was 2006. You had to get, like, a custom or the super luxurious version of my car Mm -hmm. because that's when aux cords were first starting to come into circulation and stuff like that, you know, as the normal in the cars. And then, so I have a 2006, put an aftermarket stereo in there, did my wiring myself for the stereo and all that. It was easy. Fucking solder, all that good shit, you know, because self-made man. I I like to do anything with my hands. Yeah. I do my own brakes. I change my own oil. I work on my engine. I do all that stuff, you know? There's a gratifying feeling that comes from you doing something and yourself. When you do something more yourself like that, you could you could work on your car. You can redline the fuck out of it till you blow your fucking head gasket. You change your head gasket and you're just and the whole time you're changing your head gasket after you blew it is because I did this to myself, mm-hmm. so I'm going to fix it so I can do it again. But if I'm not going to go pay the guy $300 to ring me on labor because parts are so cheap when I could buy $15 worth of parts and just take a day or two to do it. Yeah. I mean, I'm competent enough to take something apart and put it back together. So I can do that. I'm not saying other people are incompetent. I'm just saying I'm talking for myself about myself that I can take something apart and put it back together. And I've done that a lot with my car. I've ripped, I've taken the whole interior out, all the seats, all the, uh, I've taken the seats out. I've taken the carpet out. I've taken the center console out and all that stuff. Pretty much gutted the whole thing other than the dashboard. And I ran my power wires for my subs. I mean, granted, for some reason, I blew two amplifiers. <laughs> Granted. <laughs> but, I mean, my subs are still good. Mm. And they got good gave four-gauge power wires, and I had to run a ground wire from, from where it used to be where the amp sat to the unibody right underneath it 
instead I had to run a ground wire from where the amp will be all the way back through right along my power wire and put it up on my battery. What are, you, what are you driving? Agile what kind of car is this? It's a 2006 Toyota Corolla S. Okay. And uh, so I've, I've, I mean, I want an SRX so bad. It's the all-wheel drive version of my car that yeah. runs on a 91 octane with a 2ZZ engine instead of a 1ZZ engine. Whew. Dude, it's an all-wheel drive Toyota Corolla. All-wheel drive all the time. How sick would that be? <laughs> I saw one when I went up to uh, Ashland, Oregon last winter. But like, when you modify or you build something or you work on something, when you break it, you only have yourself to blame. Yeah. If you, yeah. like, a lot of people will be like, hold on. Let me put my new rev limiter in there. So if I blow my rev limiter, it's my fault. Mm -hmm. Or if I happen to break this, I broke it. But I put it in and that's why it broke. And you can fix it is the key thing. You, yeah. you now know how to fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Like when uh, I had my buddy Riley when I was working on my 1962 Chevy pickup. Dude, such a gorgeous rig. Nice fucking. I, I took the engine out and I changed the... I changed the clutch in it. Okay. But what we had to do was there was this crossbar right where we needed to get to. So I literally disconnected the transmission and hoisted the engine out of the truck, took it like separated the truck and the fucking engine and then took the transmission off, set it on tires and changed the fucking shit and put bolted it back on and then hoisted it back into the truck, which was a hassle. I bet. It was a hassle and a half. Our engine hoist wasn't big enough. I had to, I'd like jack up the front end of the truck, take the wheels off, rest the, uh, the brake caliper drum on a four by four just to get the corner low enough to get the engine barely back in there. Oh, man. And then we had to use a come along around the rear axle and literally had to pull it back in the engine bay because it had this big barrel fan as a cooler mm. instead of a little radiator like this. And the engine hoist only only kept it like this far from the front of the truck when it needed to be this far from the front of the truck. So we had the engine hoist teeter-tottering on its front wheels, literally digging into the concrete as it was hoisting this engine with the come-along on the rear axle pulling it back oh, shit. just to get it into the engine mounts. It was fun. I bet. It was fun that's as hell. Half, that's half of it. And then the my, fun that you have doing stuff like and that. And then the fact that I don't have a bad relationship with my ex-girlfriend that I had at that time, she'll always be like four years ago. And it shows me in my green flannel leaning over in, in the hood of my truck. Like literally all it is is my ass shot leaning over the grill of my truck doing something on the engine. And she's like, this is one of my most fondest memories. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It's really cool when I get to talk to my exes because I have no bad blood in, with any of my exes. They Why might, do you think that is? They might hate me, but I don't hate them. I think it's I think it's because the way I, my upbringing mm -hmm. with my father still loving my mother and my mother still loving my father. I'm fond, and I'm not much of a photographic person. I don't take a lot of photographs to memorize things. It's all... In my memory, my memory 
is what I really care about. Like, I don't really have fears. I mean, spiders make me fucking shake for a second or stuff like that. But that's like a venomous danger for most of the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I might die. I'm not afraid to die. I'll jump in front of a bullet. Fuck it. I mean, if I'm dead, I'll be dead. I don't see there being an afterlife. I don't see there being a heaven and hell. But I don't want to say I'm atheist. I just don't have enough information to believe it as stone. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I don't have enough information myself to believe in it enough to be like, I'm going to go to church on Sundays or I'm going to pray every night before I go to bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I just feel like, like when you have a family member die or something, it kind of becomes a friend or person that you don't see as often. They're not dead, but it's just somebody that you don't see anymore as often as you might or as often as you would. Like how we haven't seen each other since what? High school? Yeah. I knew you were still around, man. And I mean, like when you hit me up, I was like, Nick Flores, how is that guy doing? You know what I mean? But I mean, it's like my grandpa died two years ago or something like that. And it's just like, I, I didn't see my grandpa that often, but I mean, it was my grandpa. And I would, I saw him often, but like, when I'd go like a week or a month without seeing my grandpa, it was, it kind of feels this way too. I mean, I can't go out and see him and just be like, I saw my grandpa again. It's, but I mean, my mom still has his house. I still have my mom. I have my dad and he took photographs and stuff. And I have a photograph of him holding me as when I was like months old Mm -hmm. and I have that in my room. But I mean, uh, when one of our fishing buddies died, It was just like, he's just one of our buddies that we don't see very much. You know what I mean? He's not dead because he lives on through the memory of all of us. But he's he's still around. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Through the memory. It's like, hey, man, remember this guy? Like, you go to the bar with your buddies and you're just like, you remember that guy, man? He was really fucking cool. One time he, and then another time he, you know what I mean? So it's just a really cool thing like that. Mm. And like the only honest to God fear I have is like dementia or Alzheimer's and just like, cause it can losing, take all that from losing you. my memories, but it's kind of a double edged sword at that point, because if I lose my memory, then I'll forget then I won't know that I had that memory in the first place. I think it's harder at that point. So it's I, harder for those that know you and love you because yeah. they're the ones that are watching you forget them. Yeah. Not vice versa. I don't think it'd be because that's one of my fears is dementia. But I don't I've slowly come to terms with, you know, maybe it's not hardest for the person with dementia. It's harder for those around them because you're the one being forgotten. It's it's all about the people you leave behind. Yeah. It's not the stuff that you leave behind. It's the people that you leave behind because, and like, just like that, losing your memories. If you're like, I'm scared to lose my memories. I don't remember buying a car. So how do I, or I don't remember having that car at all. So I don't remember all all the great times of having that car. I don't remember all the great times that had that car. So I'm not scared to lose that memory because I already lost it. But I just don't realize it. You can't miss what you don't remember. Exactly. Yeah. You fucking hit the nail right on the head with that one. 
You must have a very accurate screwdriver. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes not as accurate as I'd like, but it's... So you think that that perspective has helped you in your relationships in the sense that it's not... Like, we're not leaving this thing with a hateful attitude because, you know, I, I still care about you as a person. I just recognize I can't be with you. It's, it's like I... I love the time we spent together. Mm -hmm. I love the great times we had. It's just not working. Yeah. So I'm going to go off and try to find somebody that it works better with. Which there's a certain level of maturity that that takes. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people are like, they just don't talk to their exes. I've also been in a relationship. Yeah. A lot of people are like, why would I ever want to talk to them? Yeah. I have nothing to do with them. Like one of my exes was actually like that. My most recent ex is like that. She's like, I have no reason to talk to them. Why would I want to talk to them? We're not going to get back together or anything. And I have no reason to talk to them. So she like blocked me on everything. And I was just like, I mean, you do you. Yeah. You do what you want. And then she got mad because I had sustainable relate uh, friendships with my exes. Like that was one of our problems that I talked my way out of. Really well. That's a big problem for a lot of people is if you're still in contact with an ex when you're moving into a new relationship. But I have I have no hate for that. In my relationship right now, she she still has friendships like some of the people that she has uh had a relationship <clears throat> with, not like been in a uh relationship like boyfriend girlfriend kind of a thing, mm. but has had either sexual contact or something like that is some of her best friends. Okay. And I hang out with her and them. And then I trust her, which is a big thing that needs to be in a relationship that I trust her that she can hang out with him and I don't have to be there. It doesn't bother you at all. No. Damn. Because I trust her. Mm -hmm. It all and goes back to trust. She, she reassures me that they had a relationship they weren't they weren't a boyfriend and girlfriend or anything, but they've had interaction and they've had well, I mean, affair has a, a bad kind of like connotation to it. Yeah, connotation to it. I wasn't sure if that'd be the right word, mm. but um, it has a bad like atmosphere around it, and everybody thinks that a affair is just somebody cheating on another person when an affair is we're having an affair right now this is an affair is news to me up, shit well no, no, I'm just no but what in I'm what saying, sense what do you mean though like if you look up what an affair means when i did a couple years ago was like an affair is either an interaction with another person it doesn't have to be sexual it doesn't have to be you're having sex it doesn't mean you have to be having sex behind somebody else's back an affair okay. like like a like black if we're having a business affair. affair. Yeah, okay. A business okay. affair. I have yeah, exactly. That's what affair means. Like it just became a negative thing, like a lot of words have. A lot. Because of the negative things stick out so much more. Which kind of brings us around to the Black Lives Matter whole movement thing. In what sense? What do you mean? Because like uh I was when I was listening to one of my podcasts, which was a different one, not not the Glorious House of Games or anything, is a different one uh, by Barstool. They were all like, uh, it was when the Black Lives Matter thing was all starting up, and I was, 
when I would hear like black lives matter, I was thinking not only black lives should matter. I mean, why is everybody saying black lives matter, black lives, black lives, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. Police lives matter. White lives matters. Uh, Middle Eastern lives You're going to get canceled for saying that, man. You're <laughs> going to get canceled. This is your podcast, They can't, they can't come for me. But what I'm no... saying, what I'm saying is like, they, they said on their podcast, they were like, yes, all lives matter. Mm -hmm. But what's really being scrutinized right now is black lives. They are having the most focus on them right now. So if you're saying all lives matter, it's like you're trying to take the attention away from what's the big picture. The main problem right now is that black lives are being treated like they're not insignificant, like they're not equal to all lives. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to, we're not trying to say that only black lives matter. No other lives matter. We're trying to say that don't forget about black lives because they also matter. And they're the ones that we're really trying to shine the limelight on right now. We're putting the spotlight on the black half of all lives matter because they're the ones having the most problems right now. So I, I can stand here and honestly tell you black lives matter. I support black lives. Not only because I have friends that are black, not only because I have my girlfriend's black, black lives do matter. That's because everybody matters. Not all lives. Everybody matters. My only question, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm for everybody doing whatever they want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Like that's my approach with everything. But what, you know, I've heard the sentiment, you know, all lives can't matter. Well, first off, who is arguing that black lives don't matter? Because, you know, for my, my, maybe it's my bubble, but it seems like everyone's pretty much on the same page with that. Everyone agrees Black Close, Lives Matter. Close-minded people, uh, which a lot of people that don't have a very diverse area, like Eureka is very diverse. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different people in Eureka. But if you go more inland, there's like little single stoplight towns and stuff that are very closed grouped and there's families that don't go outside of their family, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they're very closed off and such. So uh, what it seems like in the media is that... It's way more prevalent in the media. right-wing Republicans are like, all lives should matter and stuff like that. When all the liberals are like, uh, black lives matter. Stop being a fucking racist asshole. Mm -hmm. It's like, I mean, but still, it's like... I support the Black Lives Matter movement because we do need to understand that black lives are being so scrutinized and so abused right now that we need to focus on them to get them back up to be a part of all lives. My worry... My worry is that we are instilling in a generation that racism is far more prevalent than it is don't get me wrong i know there are racist people out there i know i know it and it's bad man it's it's fucking bad but is it as prevalent as i mean are we making it this cultural war when pretty much everyone is on the same page that yeah we have shit we need to change the police for one like 
that benefits everyone. Like we have things that we need to change, but we're pretty much all on the same page. Like we're burning buildings, we're we're rioting in the streets, but we all we most of us really agree with each other. We're all on the same page. Nobody's justifying what happened to George Floyd. Nobody's saying this is not everyone's everyone understands it's wrong. Fundamentally it's wrong. And then all those protests and stuff. You got liberals, you got uh, libertarians, you got Republicans. They're all in that. But nobody's either hearing them out for their stance on what they're all doing. Mm -hmm. But then all those rioters and looters come from states over that just want free shit. And they're the ones wearing the masks. But I mean, that was happening before the whole COVID and George Floyd deal. When we'd have a riot or something, or we'd have a protest, it'd turn into Molotov cocktail bombs, blowing up cars, flipping cars, fucking breaking windows and stuff like that. Yeah. All those rioters and looters, you see them all with masks mm. before masks were mandated. You know what I mean? Well, you got to protect your identity if you're committing crimes. Exactly. And... You know, there was a lot more white people killed in the year of 2019 when there was only like 12 black people killed. Well, I mean, if we're going off stats, more white people are killed by the cops than anybody. Oh, hands down. But every year. Yeah. But I mean, we, we it's do. It's just that the black lives ones are publicized. We do. I mean, people are going to take this and, and run with it however they want to. But hey. Why have context when you don't need it? Yeah, facts, right? That's, <laughs> that's honest. But I think we can all agree that we have we have problems here. But this country is pretty damn great. Like it is not as bad as for whatever reason people are trying to make it out to be right now. We don't have socialism or a monarchy. You know what I mean? I mean, people aren't being Communism. sold. People aren't being bought and sold in this country, but they are in other countries in the world. There are failed states across the world that you would kill to be here. People are being but, abducted, bought and sold from this country. And with, I don't want to say I'm a Trump supporter, but with him do, building the wall and upping border and stuff, it has dropped that drastically. Mm-hmm. Like, that has gone down a lot with the whole Jeffrey Epstein who didn't kill himself and all that shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. All that fucking pedophile island shit has dropped immensely since Trump has been in office. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, presidents in general would say, oh, well, I'm going to set these things up. In their first four terms, they set, they get all their ducks in a row and they get set up to do shit. And if they get their second term, if they be able to make it to the second term, they push all that stuff through and it starts making it way through. Trump went in and just started writing. He'd be like, all right, let's do this. Send it to the Senate. The Senate sends it back, says, no, you can't do that. And he's like, fuck, I can. Executive signs it off again, sends it to the Senate. And the Senate's like, what the fuck do you want us to do with this? And he's like, absolutely nothing because there's nothing you can do with it. And it goes straight through and it becomes a deal. You know what I mean? Trump Trump went in there and looked at America as a business, not, not just as a country. He looked at it as, it as a business, and then he looked at the population as his employees that he's trying to protect. 
And he just went in and he's like, this needs to get done. Let's do it. This needs to get done. Do it. This needs to get done. Do it. There is a... He's gotten a lot more done in his first term than most presidents have in their whole presidency. There is a danger, though, when you treat a nation and the running of that nation like a business. Because in a business, your sole responsibility is to make a profit. Whatever that profit is, it's to make a profit for your shareholders so that they're happy. If that means, you know, you're increasing workflow or you're firing people who are slow you're treating it like a business but a country now but but when you say profit are you talking about just making more money or are you well, talking whatever about the profit bettering is. uh bettering your life bettering your uh the way of life the way of life. you can't run the country like a business and hope to better people's lives because if if america's a business right and so trump's really big with the stock market and increasing stock market gains and dividends and you know that's kind of his benchmark for how healthy our economy is so he's running it in a sense like that but you can only increase those by hurting other sectors and rolling back protections you know whether it be on oil and um you know like solar power and wind power and things that like are environmentally you know, sustainable, you have to roll those back to make way for other things that will increase profit. You have like, to like if you went more into solar power and hydropower and wind power and stuff like that, you're taking away the the money and the costs and the uh the profit that you'd be making off the oil. Because mm-hmm. people are going to go for that environmentally friendly stuff instead of going for oil. But Trump hasn't done that. Trump's made it pretty clear that he is, he he is more for business, old business in the sense of oil and coal and these you know almost outdated forms of energy to some extent. Then I mean, he said, God, who was telling me that he said, you know, wind power is is horrible. And wind power is really detrimental to the environment. You know why? Because it kills birds. Like American eagles are out there flying and these wind turbines are just chopping them down. And we got to put a stop to wind power. Which how great. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I, I, mean, I can't speak on I mean, world policy. I'm 22. I don't, I don't have shit figured out. But. I mean... How can you chop down a mechanical bird? The government's just losing money at that point. True, maybe it was all ploy. <laughs> They're playing us. It's all just a ploy, man. Fall cabal. But uh, fall cabal. I'm, <laughs> I'm really gonna have to check that out now after this I'm podcast. Sa- <laughs> what I'm saying is like, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm Republican right wing just because I'm bringing up Trump so much. It's no, just no, I don't think our, that. He's our current president. When Obama was president, he did a lot of great things too. He did a lot of great things. He did some really bad things too. Every president does. Yeah. Everybody has their good and bad side. I mean, just like how it goes for fucking energy and running a country like a business, just like a computer. If you buy a PC from Costco, you buy a gaming computer. It might have a great graphics card, but your RAM's garbage. It might have great CPU, but your fucking motherboard can't support fucking a 3000 fucking gig cpu like what are you gonna do 
You're going to take all the parts that you can and put them all together and make a fucking badass PC. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're going to buy individual parts or you're going to buy that one, take the fucking shit out of it and throw it away and put better shit in it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's it's like upgrading. You upgrade anything and everything. You know what I mean? Like if you started with a Dell laptop from like 24 or 2004 and then it's like, uh, this doesn't stream fast enough. This doesn't have enough data to stock all this. So then you jump up to the MacBook from 2012 and boom. Yeah. Everything's a hell of a lot better. But it might have a better or it might have a lower RAM. So then you either got to take it out and put better RAM in it or you can custom make something. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just the way that people mass produce things is not it'll better one specific part of the item, but it won't be the best that it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I think we just need to. Well, regardless, we need to just have a fundamental conversation about what we want for this country. Because right now it's, it's on, it's, I mean, I don't know if I'm just like too in it to actually, like I'm too deep in the, in the trees to see the forest or what is happening. But like, we are on the brink of a historic moment. And I don't know if it's going to be a good one because come November, I don't think it's going to be good. Oh, no, no. And I don't, but it's like with the Supreme Court thing. Have you heard about that? Uh, Trump's going to wait until he's reelected for a Supreme Court justice or something like that. Oh, I didn't hear that. Is that what's happening? Well, like, uh, didn't one of the Supreme Court justices die? Yes. And then they're going to appoint a new one. Trump wants to. But like what happened in Obama's administration when that happened, they waited until after he was reelected to appoint them well you know what's ridiculous is the democrats were so so upset that um they wouldn't let obama elect a supreme court justice which he was supposed to like as the sitting president is you're supposed to but now the left is doing that same thing to trump they don't want trump to elect this one they want the next president to yeah like we're we're and we're being Trump, so hypocritical on both sides. If Trump wins sides. it again, it's a lost loss for them, whether they let him elect it now or he gets reelected and he elects it then. You, I mean, do you think he's going to win? Fucking person. Come November, who are you placing your bets on? Do you really want me to get into this right now? Because I'm a. Do you want to get into it? You're going to get torn down if you get into <laughs> this right now. From I'm what not I've, from what I've seen, I personally do not vote. See that's that's an interesting case. Why? Because a I lot don't of people vote are... because I can't pick between bad and bad, which right now it's actually terrible and terrible. <laughs> so I mean, I'll do what I have to do mm-hmm. to live my life comfortably, to where I'm like, I'm good. I'm just gonna do what I gotta do and focus on myself and my family and do what I gotta do. To protect me. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, if Trump gets reelected, I'll do whatever is allowed in his parameters that I'm still comfortable with. Biden gets there. However, I fumble through his words to figure out what is allowed, I will do. <laughs> and if that Watch back the clip a few times. Just if that, like, if that, that isn't a shot, 
I don't know what is. Which, too bad we're drinking beer. I, man, it's, there's no good choice because there's no unifying voice. There's nobody up there that's like, uh, I mean, it's going to get ugly. It's going to get ugly either side. I'm worried. I'm worried that Biden will just endorse the whims of the radical left. And I'm worried that Trump's just going to keep rolling back environmental protections and like what pick your poison. We're either going to have a, a global warming problem or we're going to have a ideological problem of forcing people to assimilate to our views. Who's really good at this political shit is Mike. Talk to me, Mike. Mike. I you got to you got to text him, man, and be like, listen, Nick wants you on the podcast. He just texted me. He just said, hey, what are you doing right now? Tell him, listen, I got a buddy who does a podcast and do you got to you got to go on want to call in you can call him i don't think it'll i don't have the equipment to pick up the conversation i don't think speakerphone we could see if it works yeah but sometimes it gets staticky with phones oh you gotta get that roadcaster pro because <sighs> uh on the glorious house of games podcast that's what they use they use a roadcaster pro and it connects to the macbook and stuff mm-hmm. and they uh they do phone do you have an iphone yeah. Yeah, they uh they use their iPhone and they do contests for the live stream where they give away like fifty dollar gift cards and a whole bunch of merch and stuff. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, man, I who knows? Who who the hell knows? Nobody does. Yeah, Mike Mike's really interesting about this stuff. You gotta tell him to come on. We'll right. we'll try to we'll definitely try to set something up for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'll get into the contact with him. He's he's usually down in LA a lot of the time mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But he he can really get into uh, like general conspiracy topics and the and political stance. And he's very deep in the political and stuff. It's really great. Sure. And it'd be awesome to have a drag queen on your show. Yeah, talk about the drag scene. Yeah, I'm I'm willing to have anybody on that that wants to come on. You got any other topics that you really want to? Touch base on or anything? I did, dude. I did before we wrap up here. I did want to ask you about um, E. Clampus Vitus. ECV, baby. ECV. My boys. Can you, dude? I have no idea what that even is. Can you try to fill me in? So, as far as I know, I've been in E. Clampus Vitus for a little over a year now. And E. Clampus Vitus is, I was kind of hoping you'd bring this up. I didn't want to bring it up, but uh, E. Clampus Vitus is. A brotherhood like the Masons. Okay. But instead of developing into big business and white-collared businesses of, like, money handling and such, we're more blue-collared. Okay. Eclampus Vitus originated with, uh, say we worked in a coal mine together, right? And so... Just like any work environment, you become really close to those workers, just like the military and the brotherhood and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You and me, we're brothers because we spend fucking 18 hours down in this coal mine every single fucking day. If something happened to your family or something happened to you, you're the only source of income in the 1800s, right? Something happened to you, I'll cover your family. I got your family's back. I got you and your family's back. I'll fucking... I'll fucking go to the ends of the earth for you guys. You know what I mean? You're my brother. I spend so much goddamn time with you. You're like my brother. So 
if say the mine collapsed and you got caught in the collapse, I'd go and I'd make sure your family's still all right. I'd support your family after supporting my own. So I'd make sure my family's all squared away and comfortable. And then I'd give anything else I have to my brothers. And what it would, what would uh, happen was the coal miners and stuff when a merchant would come into town. So we're known as a historical drinking society or a drinking historical society. A couple of these and we can't decide which. And um, so we figure out uh, a merchant comes into town and we, we convince him to come down to the bar and buy us drinks. And we're all drinking together and shit like that. And when the guy runs out of gold dust or whatever kind of currency he has for buying us all drinks, it's like, hey, man, you want to join our brotherhood, our cause? Kind of a thing. Okay. And that, that's how we expanded out from just the coal and the gold mines and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. we were, uh, it was all in the time of the gold rush. So everybody's looking for gold. You know what I mean? So like, we have terms like the Golden Hills, or uh, uh, we're we're our gold dust collector, and stuff like that, which is uh, really neat and interesting. And uh, you can't go out and be like, "Hey, I want to." You can't go down to the Masonic Lodge in Eureka and be like, "Hey, can I get an application to join the Masons?" They'll be like, "Yeah, sure. Here you go. Who you know? Mm. You know what I mean?" If you want to join the clampers? You can't just walk around and be like, hey, how do I join the clampers? Hey, how do I become one of you guys? Hey, how, how do I go about this? You have to be invited to be a clamper. Okay. So my uncle's a clamper, and he said, I got a guy that I want to bring in. I got a PBC, which is the new, uh, it's like the uh, possible or uh, uh, pre-clamper member kind of thing. When you're a PBC, when you go through your doings, which is your initiation, which I can't talk about that too much. Hush, hush. Hey, no photographs allowed. Yeah. No phones allowed. But, uh, it, I mean, if you get, if, if you are recognized as an all right dude and you know that you would help out anybody in any way you can. Mm Hmm. And you know a clamper, a clamper will bring you in. Because you got to have a sponsor. Yeah. And my uncle was my sponsor. He's all like, I want you to join the clampers. I was like, sure, I'll join. What's up about it? And he's all like, just don't wear clothes that you like. Because <laughs> uh, it, it all went to the garbage. The clothes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What I you- threw away my clothes, my shoes, my socks, all of it, dude. It all got thrown away after my doings. After what? Yeah. They what? So they like pick out what clothes you're gonna wear? No, 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 no. Uh, my my sponsor told me don't wear red because the clamper's color is red. Mm-hmm. You see it as a sign of disrespect if you try to wear. If the you try to if you try it. to act the B one. Okay. Because we have terms like red shirt. A red shirt is a clamper that's at a doings or a camp. Just to be with his brothers, you know, with his mm. community. You you go in and you're red shirting. That's a clamber that's already in that's there to camp and okay. hang out. Uh, a PBC is someone that is not a clamper yet and is coming in. And then there's retreads, which get treated as uh, PBCs, but they're already clampers. So uh, with the way that chapters work, 
like uh, motorcycle clubs. There's different chapters in different areas. Mm-hmm. So there's the Eureka chapter, and then there's the Reading chapter, the Weaverville chapter, and all that stuff. So I belong to the 101 chapter. is my home chapter. I belong to four different chapters. But 101 is my home. So if I wanted to go to Reading and go join uh, 62 or 1914 or whatever, uh, I can go there and I can red shirt and be like, oh, I'm part of 101. So I'm a clamper just like all you guys, but I don't belong to the Reading chapter. Yeah. Or I can go there and be like, I'm from 101 chapter. I also want to be a part of your chapter. So I'll retread and then I'll be a part of their chapter and 101. Okay. But when I went to my doings, it was a four chapter doings. So I got five certificates and or skins for it. I got my Reading, uh, my uh, chapter 73, chapter 101. And last alumnus or nineteen fourteen. So I got four chapters and then I got my four skin. So I have one skin from each of those chapters that says that's signed off by their uh, chapter leader, their humbug mm-hmm. that says he passed, he made it through the doings day, and he's a clamper. We're in good standing with this person. So we will claim him as our clamper and then 101 does the same and all those chapters do and then all the chapters humbugs signed off on one certificate that says yes we all agree that he is a part of all of our chapters huh so it's a brotherhood looking out for other brothers and then after i joined that i was invited to multiple facebook pages there's one that's like uh uh no, uh, no man down. You're not out clamper support page. So people post on there like, Hey, I lost my job because of COVID. My, me and my family are getting evicted. We need a place to stay. We need some money. And I've, I've sent people money on that. Oh, like shit. this guy's like the military taught me how to survive on little to nothing, but my wife and my children don't know how. And they, they, and we're running out of money and we got evicted from our home. And I was like, hey, man, I'll send you fucking 50 bucks. You can get your fucking kids a couple meals off that. You know what I mean? And I, I sent him money, and I didn't look. I never looked for anything in return. He's just like, thanks, man. That, that helps so much. I was like, of course, man. I'm there for you, brother. You're my brother. And I've known people like my buddy Russell. He's a, he's a clamper from years ago. He was in the Navy and stuff. And when he got back, he took his, uh, his sack of clothes and whatever he had. And he put his clamper shirt over it and he'd walk up the highway and he traveled this whole fucking country hitchhiking from other clampers. Oh, he uh, never walked a single mile the whole time. He traveled this whole fucking country of the U.S. So it's a nationwide he would, organization. He would, he would, oh, dude, it's in China. It's in South Korea. It's in fucking Europe. It's all over oh, the world. Wow. Oh, shit. He, wa- he would walk down the freeway and people would see that red shirt pull over and say, where are you going? He said, nowhere. And they'd say, all right, well, hop in. <laughs> hop in. You're coming with me. You're, wow. We're going here. I can go to multiple, since we're so notorious for drinking, I can go to multiple different bars, like the Gold Rush in San Francisco. 
and they ha they have a sign that says uh, uh, clamper watering hole. I get a clamper discount. I go up to I go over to uh, Weaverville or Willits or whatever, and the big cluster signs they have there. You see ECV 62. ECV number 62. I got pictures of it on Facebook and everything. I got photos of when me and one of my girlfriends went there. I got pictures of me in front of plaques. Like here's a picture of me in front of a plaque. <laughs> Commemorating historical monuments. Wow. 1855 is that when it... The... 1855 is when that plaque was put up. To commemorate when did the that start? place. Oh, so uh, I can't remember. Way like before 1812, that. 1812, maybe? Wow. Super, super. So it's been early. around for a minute. It's been around for a long time. What happened was it was in the 1800s. Then uh, late in the 1800s, it uh, kind of disappeared. Mm -hmm. And then early in the 1900s, it reappeared and reemerged with almost a vengeance. I didn't bring my clamper. We have challenge coins and everything. Like here's the here's the challenge coin I have. Swipe to the left, I believe, from left to right. To the left. Oh, to the right. Okay. Yeah, oh, that, wow. that's one of our challenge coins. ECV witters and stuff. Oh, that's pretty. And, sick. and a witter is a person. There's uh, a lot of people ask me about this one. A witter is just a general person that has lost their spouse. It's like a it widow. Yeah. Yeah. A widder is, it's not a widower, which is a man who has lost his wife. It's not a widow, who, uh, which is a wife that has lost his husband. Mm. It is a widder is either one of them, anyone. And one of our oaths is to protect orphans and widders in that order. So if you died and we're, we're both in ECV, you died, but your wife isn't fit to take those kids your kids are technically half orphaned because they don't have their father. I would make sure your kids are well taken care of before I made sure your wife was taken care of. Because we protect orphans over the widders, but we still protect the widders greatly. Mm -hmm. And that's all after we make sure our own family is good and settled. So you're all just kind of looking out for each other. That's all it really is. It's a brotherhood. It's just like if we were in a unit in the military. Or like a, well, maybe not like a frat, but like these other organizations, like the Elks. <laughs> Do you know what the Like the Elks like Lodge the Elks, and the Moose. And Masonic. The Masonic and stuff. The Masonic has so many conspiracies about being big money. So do the Freemasons. The Freemasons have that kind of air of, the Freemasons and the, the Masonics are the same. They're the oh, are they? Yeah, the Freemasons oh. are the Masonic Lodge. That's awkward. Oops. Well, we'll <laughs> cut that part. Let's hope they don't cut you out for that I one. I know. Huh? Now I'm going to be conspiracy people coming after me for that. Yeah, but it's... Hmm. And then, like... That's insane. I've never, I've never come across that before. Yeah, it's the Masonics and Freemasons, so... Here's I gotta some, get, I gotta get like a, you know, like on the Joe Rogan podcast, he has like a, a Jamie who like is just kind of behind the scenes, but fact checking. And yeah. I gotta get me one of those, man. Yeah, you do. I gotta. So here's the, uh, here's the Weaverville sign cluster. It says, you can oh, see the Masonic down in the bottom left. 
And then you can see that ECV number 62 right there. So, uh, this, this is the picture I'm looking at. Yeah. Yeah. See up at the top where it says ECV E clamp is Vitus 62 yeah. and down 62. in the bottom left, it has the Masonics. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, when I went to my, uh, doings, it was in Igo and we commemorated the Igo in which the Masonics bought it. The, uh, uh, some other lodge loved it. And then the, uh, the clampers made it history mm-hmm. is the motto on the t-shirt that I really want to get for the I go doings because, uh, from when I was there, I had to go through the whole history lesson of it as part of my, uh, doings. And I went there and I sat on the ground and I listened to the guy talk about the I go doings cause we were commemorating it after it got restored and stuff. The, the Masonic lodge and the, uh, E clampus Vitus shared it at a time. Uh, they shared it. They like saved it, shared it, and loved the place and just kept it. You know what I mean? But then either they had to get it restored or something like that because of new uh, new uh, premises of how wiring needs to be done and stuff like that. So they got it restored, but the uh, the Masonic Lodge backed out. So we lost it and it got ran down and then the clampers got enough traction and got it back. Oh, wow. And restored it and then plaqued it as a historical monument. So now it won't be torn down because it's a historical monument. But what I've heard is that a lot of Native Americans hate clampers. Why is that? Because of like the whole, probably the whole stealing their country thing. It's a pretty, pretty solid foundation to start on. The whole reason we migrated west so much all the way to the other shore was there was gold on the other shore. Clampers really like gold. Anything that it had to do with manual labor and mining, the clampers were all about it. Super blue-collared men. So with the whole push west, clampers, brotherhood, trail of tears, mass genocide... Of the Native Americans. Yeah. And that's that's long story short. I've heard stories where my buddy Jeff, who's not a clamper, happened to be wearing a red shirt or something. He was drinking at a bar, and these two Native American guys came in and said, hey, are you a clamper? And he's like, no, I, I know clampers and stuff. And he's like, and the Native Americans were like, well, we're looking for fucking clampers. Beat their fucking asses. Fuck them. Fuck those people. Two Native American guys off the res or something. I don't know. But he almost got just fucking beat senseless for no reason. Just because he might have been a part of a brotherhood. Almost got just assaulted for it. We hear stories all the time about people wearing like those red MAGA hats and getting jumped or getting the shit kicked out of them just walking down the street. Yeah, it's it's all a matter of opinion. I mean, I got here, I got my ECV traveling card for 101. Well, they come out with a card and everything. Well, they, you get a traveling card with your skin. And that pretty much gives you a general idea of what we are. Do you mind if I read this out loud? Oh, go ahead. 101 E. Clampus Vitus, Spencer Bird, 
have demonstrated to the brethren his fortitude and allegiance is hereby declared a camper clamper in good standing and chairman of all committees in Eureka Chapter 101, E. Clampus Vitus of Humboldt, Del Norte Counties, California. Damn. There's more on the back. Oh, shit. Here we go. The Clamper's Creed. As I pass through this life, may I always be humble. May I never take myself seriously. A stuffed shirt. May I always appreciate a little of the ridiculous. May I always be a two-fisted clamper when the bottle passes my way. And if I imbibe and can't hold it like a man, then may I always be able to pass it to the next brother. May I never forget the stout-hearted men who settled a great western wilderness and the heritage we have today. May I never fail to appreciate a bit of western lore. Anonymous. Damn. Yeah. So that pretty much gives you the general premise of it and such. And uh, uh, I got one of these cards for every one of them. And when it's talking about uh, never, never just overlook the ridiculous, mm-hmm. our our general like motto is Cato qui absurdum, which is I believe it because it is absurd. So, and our um, our like logo, our mascot is a jackass, is a donkey, mm-hmm. and I I believe it because it is absurd. I mean, something like my clamper buddy comes up and says, dude, I grabbed a bat by its fucking feet. It'd be like, that's ridiculous, dude. Like, really? It's like, why do you think they call me Batman? So it's like, it's so crazy. It has to be true. Yeah. Okay. Like my uncle, my uncle's clamper name, because we all have little clamper names and stuff. His is actually Batman because... One time they were all camping super late one night and a bat came over and landed on his shoulder. Huh. A bat just came over, landed on my uncle's shoulder. And Batman was born. And he was Batman. We got another guy called River Rat because he drowned his fucking truck in the middle of a river one time. Oh my God. Just call him River Rat. Then we got this other guy that has a whole bunch of like old Western badges, uh-huh. like uh, sheriff badges and stuff. All His vest is just coated in what sheriff badges. Call him Badger. Damn. We got this other guy that has the funniest fucking laugh. We call him Giggles. Like, dude, these are all guys around here. Yeah. And I have that for fucking Weaverville. I have that for all my fucking clamper places. We have we have a grand council and shit. And the way that 101 was founded was, uh, oh God, what is his name? I can't remember it right now. He was, I can't remember the 101 founder's name, but the whole way he founded 101 was he's like, hey, I want to, he went to grand council and he told him, hey, I want to start a chapter in this area. And they said, okay, well, what are you willing to do to start that chapter? And what he did to start the chapter was he charted a trail from Sacramento, California to Humboldt Bay. Really? Yep. He charted a whole fucking trail and made a whole fucking trail, walked the whole thing, and made a trail from Sacramento to Humboldt Bay. And then they said, shit, you can start your 101 chapter. Go for it. 
Wow. The 101 was born. Wow. Yeah. If we could get my brother Nick in here, that would be the storyteller of a lifetime. Yeah. But, I mean. Wow. It, it's crazy shit, dude. It's really, I'm really proud to be a clamper because being the self-made man I am, I am quick to trust and quick to appreciate. And I'm probably a better friend than I am person in a relationship, to be honest. Mm. But I mean, I, I would do anything and everything I could physically possibly do, whether I'm shorted in that point to give it to you. I would do it in a heartbeat. I'm just such a giving person that I just want everybody else to be good and set up and anything and like that way before I have to worry about myself. I would give you everything that I had and then I'd worry about what I need. Well, shit, I think we can end it right there, man. That, I mean, what else, what else can be said? The world would be a, a much better place if most people were like that. Yeah. I, you, I know I'm a much better person than most people can damn. be. I'm, I'm way more giving and like, I'm not too much of a selfish person and I've, I've known that, but I'm not trying to toot my own horn and be like, Oh, I'm so great. It's just, I, I've noticed that other people are not as giving and willing as I am personally. Like I'll fucking, I'll drop shit. To come to your aid. Mm. I mean, fucking after just the, from this, I mean, from knowing you from high school and after do, having such a great experience in this podcast, dude, you hit me up. You need something. I'll fucking do whatever I can to hit, hang, help yeah. you out, man. Same, same for you, man. I'm I mean, always happy to help. Shit. Uh, do you want to plug, plug your social so people can find you? or That's optional. Some people plug hey, it at dude, the end. I'm just saying... My plugs are horrible. <laughs> like <laughs> we, plugged, inst- we plugged a lot. Hey, if you guys want to, if you guys want to hit me up on my Instagram, uh, it's the one and only Spenny underscore Spenny. It's the one and only the one and only underscore Spenny on Instagram. Uh, Spencer Gerald Bird on Facebook. I dude, Facebook friend requests have nonstop since I joined the Clampers. I bet. And then um. But, uh, yeah, I'm Spencer Gerald Bird on Facebook. I'm the one and only sp- underscore Spenny on Instagram. No numbers or anything like that. Uh, my Twitter's kind of weird. I never go on it at all. But when I post on Instagram, I just, ah, sure, send it to Twitter too. I never go on Twitter, but it's spelled all weird because I can't have as many characters for my username. So, if you really want my Twitter to follow my Twitter, hit me up on Instagram. But uh, that's all I really have. There check out Wing Inflat- or Inflatable Solutions. Yeah, definitely Looking check them out. for a river after a kayak or something. Really cool shit. Uh, we have videos and stuff about us. Like you could look up Wing Inflatables on YouTube and find our little introductory video and stuff. And it, okay. shows, it shows like the CNC table and... Talks about wow what we're doing and what our goals are and stuff like that. Sweet. So it's really cool shit. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. I had a I had a great time I, talking I with you. I had a great time talking to you too. Awesome. Man.
All right. Thanks, guys.